Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Lauren and RJ, the Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome and glad you're along for the ride with Hayes Carly and Lauren Brooks and RJ Saunders. I'm Frank Frangie as we embark on a Tuesday installment of the program. Our Tuesday is brought to you by our friends at the Nimnik family of dealerships. Billy Nimnik, Lee Nimnik, our friends there. Proud to be a spokesman for the Nimniks. I have been since uh, I've been in this business, been buying my cars there since 1982, and I'm, and I'm glad to continue to do so. We're uh, we appreciate our friends from the Nimnik family of dealerships. Uh, a lot to talk about today in the world of sports. Super Bowl right around the corner. Uh, Clayton Kershaw in the news. Uh, I got all kind of thoughts about college football and college athletes maybe unionizing. That's been in the news. We didn't get to that yesterday. All kind of fun stuff. What a sad day. Toby Keith died of cancer. and You knew he had cancer, and it was a bad fight. I mean, it was a hard fight, I should say. He lost all that weight and really battled and was out of the public scene for a while. Did appear at the CMAs, right, Lauren? Wasn't the CMAs that he did a new song? Maybe not, but in, in one of the award shows of late. Um, but that one, that's another one that hit me kind of hard. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a big country fan, but I like some of the old country. I'm a big Toby Keith fan. So um, that one, I woke up in the middle of the night and saw that one. Kind of, kind of hit me hard. Oh yeah, I woke up this morning and that was one of the first things I saw, and I definitely had tears in my eyes. I can't say that a lot of famous people who I've never met I've prayed for, yeah. but once I found out Toby Keith had stomach cancer, cancer's awful, and as everyone knows, it, it affects so many people. And that one just, yeah, it, it always bothered me that someone who's been this great American had to deal yeah. with this awful disease. And so I thought he was getting a little bit better as of like the last six months, and so it, it did surprise me a little bit to find out, but, uh, but certainly praying for his family. You know, obviously it's not my genre, but I respect uh, the fact that he had such a legion of supporters, and I really admired his love of country. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, absolutely, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's awful that we've lost him. Well said. His love of country is kind of how he'll be remembered, I think, among in the world of entertainers. Overall, and in the world of entertainers, love of country is well said, Hayes. He, uh, and, I, and I can tell you, um, listen, a lot of the country, number one, a lot of entertainers, period, but certainly a lot of the country entertainers get involved in, in, in the political realm, and I never do, and, and I, I don't ever talk about my politics to anybody, nor do I ever plan to. And, but, but whether you like where he stood politically or not, Hayes, to your point, there's no denying his love of country, man. That, that was real. And his song, American Soldier, you know, if I had to list my, my favorite Toby Keith songs, I could list 20 of them. But if I, if I, I mean, I like, I'm really a big fan. American Soldier might not be the top five, six, or seven, but you if you haven't heard that song, you ought to listen to that song because that song tells the story of the courage and bravery of the men and women that defend our country and what they go through and how they're proud to go through it, and they will do it, they'll do it the next day and the next day. I say this many times. A hero is, is not the guy that scores the touchdown at the end of the game. A hero is someone that puts on that uniform, whether it's a first responder or whether it's a, a member of the military, 
It puts on that uniform, knowing it might be the last day he puts it on, he or she puts it on, and he or she puts it on the next day anyway. That's what they do because that's what the real heroes do. And so his song about American, his song called American Soldier, uh, and listen, he's he's probably known more in the patriotic realm for courtesy of the red, white, and blue. He's probably, in fact, he, uh, Toby Keith would 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 uh, smilingly refer to that song as "Put a Boot in Your Ass." And the name of the song is courtesy of Red, White, and Blue. But he, but I, I, you've seen him in concert. I've seen him in concert. He'll say, "Y'all got you guys ready for put a boot in his ass, put a boot in there," and the place goes crazy. And then he sings the song. So, uh, so that's kind of how he, in slang, re- refers to the song. Uh, but the name of the song is courtesy of Red, White, and Blue. And I think that's is that the song. Certainly from a patriotic realm, it's the one he's most known for. From a patriotic realm, right. yes. I would say should have been a cowboy. That's probably first. And How Do You Like Me Now would be the two most Yeah, I, How Do You popular. Like Me Now was his, his first big hit. Right. Because it, it tells that story. Yeah. And uh, should have been a cowboy's his anthem. I, yeah. I would agree. that That's the anthem. But he's Which, got, like, to your point, I mean, Red Solo Cup, like, right. some people think of that as, yeah. as you know, yeah. one of the oh, yeah. great beer-drinking songs yeah. of all time. And obviously yeah. country music had, has a lot of those. Yeah. Have you ever heard him sing Mockingbird with his daughter? I have. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's really, fantastic. really. That, really. That he and his daughter, who's also a country music singer. So anyway, uh, Toby Keith. Very sad to see that uh, that Toby Keith uh, passed away. A big, big fan. I, I've seen him. I've only seen him twice. Uh, yeah, twice. I saw him once in the arena with Trace Atkins opening for him, and that was when he was in. Not the. I think his heyday was probably early two thousands. Yeah, I would say. I probably that. saw him more more ten years after that, eight to ten years. But it was fantastic. Maybe eight, maybe seven or eight years after that. And then we and I, and it remains that I've told I've told people that that are involved in this, it remains my favorite, my favorite my one of my dear friends used to put on the military appreciation show. I can't say her name because I'm not she's not allowed I'm not allowed to say her name on the radio, but I know she's listening. But my favorite one is is was Toby Keith. That my my favorite military appreciation. What was your favorite one? You love all those. Any any standout? That my favorite clearly was was Toby Keith. I mean, I loved him McGraw. Uh, and I, at the time, I loved Sam Hunt when he yeah. came. So those okay. are two of them. But I, but I would say uh, Toby Keith. Luke Combs, obviously, Toby, too. Toby, they all came. Yeah, they Every, came. everybody's been here. But, yeah, so, it, so anyway. it's it's really sad, I think, for people who just – there's certain, like, just artists who are unapologetic, unapologetically themselves, and yeah. that's Toby Keith. That's a great description of him. Uh, and, and you know what? And I love what he represented. Absolutely. He represented – being a cowboy and drinking beer and hanging out and having fun and loving to Hayes's point and loving his country. That's what he represented. It was cool stuff. Yeah, he went on a ton of tours to play for the military, yeah, USO yeah. tours. Uh, you know, he played football. Yeah, he, he, he actually played in the – he did play football in one of the semi-pro leagues. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which one it was. It was like a defensive end. It was in Oklahoma. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was, it was I don't know if it was the USFL, Hayes, or one of those leagues, but he played one of the semi- – I think it was the USFL. Yeah, I, I, I will say this story. My wife laughs about this. Toby Keith was probably before he lost all the weight, six three and a half, maybe six four, two thirty five, two forty. Big guy. That's a big guy. Well, the first time I saw him, Trace Atkins opened for him, and at one point they came out there together. He looked tiny compared to Trace Atkins. Yeah, Trace, Trace Atkins, Atkins is, is like six six, six six, and probably three hundred pounds. So he looked he looked tiny yeah. compared to Trace. Atkins. So anyway, I love was, Trace Atkins too. So yeah, it's very again. And 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 last thing I'll say about it. When you get my age, seeing guys like that, you follow the same thing happened with Jimmy Buffett. It really stings you. It really, it really, because it's guys you've known for so long 
uh, as the entertainer. So, but it's sorry, really sad, really sad to see us lose to Toby Keith. A long battle with cancer uh, he had. All right, a lot of Super Bowl stuff I want to get to today. I'm gonna start with Christian McCaffrey. Are Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry the last of the great running backs? Is that it? Are there, is the great running back gone? Yeah. I th- maybe that this might be it. This might be the last. These two fantastic football players, and Christian McCaffrey is the best back in football right now. This might be. This might be it. The way the, the game has changed so much. I certainly can't think of a back in college currently. Right. That everybody is convinced is a top five pick in the draft. Yeah. Or what? Or correct. And of the ones that are in the draft, don't move the needle. Of the others in the NFL, there's some damn good backs. There's one right here in Travis Etienne. But I don't know that there's uh, mega great backs left anymore. The game has just changed so much. It's just quarterbacks running, RPO, the field spread horizontally. Nobody's lining up ISO plays very often and running behind that big 240 pound fullback. I'm not saying nobody, but not. It's not a thing anymore. This might. I'm going to get into this a little bit. It might be the last of the the last of the great running backs. There's no doubt about it. The running back is going to be the dodo bird in uh, yeah. ten years, and and because of that, I just again, you you don't see any sort of young up and coming talent on its way. Like we knew Adrian Peterson his freshman year at Oklahoma was going to be an unbelievable, unbelievable running back in the NFL, and he lived up to it. You, you just I can't think of a single running back in college football, right. let alone this draft. This draft, it's terrible. Right. But even the guys that are returning, like Trevor Etienne's a good player. Right. He's not going to be a good right. NFL player. He's not going to be a superstar in the NFL. Right. He right. might be a good NFL player, but he's not going to be a superstar in the well, NFL. Well, look at the teams that went to the playoff. Blake Corn, the, the Michigan back's a good back. He's a good back. But he's not greater. He wouldn't have been at Michigan this year. Right. He'd have been out. You know, so and he, he, was, he was a good back. The Georgia backs were good backs. Uh, you know, the Alabama backs are good backs, but they weren't great. There wasn't, there wasn't, oh, my God, wait till he gets to the league. I think we'll see another college team have a back that does unbelievable things, but I don't know that the NFL will ever be yearning for that point. And I guess that's the point. It, will, it, will, it, will it translate? And, and it may not. So we've got a lot to talk about today on the program. We'll talk about back. Clayton Kershaw, i got a thought about Clayton and about the Dodgers. He's going to sign a one-year deal, which is where he should be going. Um, will college players be able to unionize? Will they become uh, employees? Uh, there may be a, a movement toward that. I got a thought or two about uh, neutral site games. I'll explain that as well. We're loaded up with stuff. Glad you're with us on this Tuesday. Always brought to you by Nimnik. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. I'll bet you never heard old Marshall Dillon say, Miss Kitty, have you ever thought of running away? Settling down, would you marry me? If I ask you twice and beg you pretty please. She'd have said yes in a New York minute. They never tied a knot. His heart wasn't in it. He just stole a kiss as he rode away. He never hung his hat up. At Kitty's place I should have been a cowboy This is the anthem This is a great song, nice job RJ Got an outside chance, you probably hear that again on Thursday Be my guest But that's a uh, really good song, well done 
Who are we planning on for this week's Old Rock Thursday? We talked about it last week. Doesn't matter. It's not now. Right. They're, they're I, that's not, what I was going to say. They got, they got trumped. I mean, it could be the Beatles. They're not coming on now. Yeah. Whoever, whoever it was going to be. Kobe Keith. Uh, we lost him to cancer. Overnight is when the story uh, moved. Chris McCaffrey, uh, this year, Hayes, um, rushed for 1,459 yards. Another 550 or so, 560 receiving. You could make the point that if you take quarterbacks off the ballot, he's the most important offensive player in the league, couldn't you? Absolutely. More than receivers, more than obviously any other running back. You could. It, this could be the most important offensive player in the National Football League if you don't count quarterbacks. Without a doubt. He's, yeah, a, he's I mean, a really good player. Yeah, I mean, it's it would be – McCaffrey, I think, would be one. Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill would be right behind him. That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, because of that's probably that's that's a great starting list, isn't it? Yeah, because the scarcity of great backs, I think McCaffrey's value would be higher because there's really there's a litany of. I mean, Jefferson and Hill are special. Yeah, and I'd have the tight ends in there too. So much deeper. Yeah, yeah, I'd have the tight ends in there too. Jefferson and Hill, you're exactly right. Would probably be my two and three, but 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 and but I'm telling you, he's. He, and by the way, this was his best year. I mean, he's a, he's a great player anyway, but he had a ridiculous year. Remember, he's been hurt a lot now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, he played in 2020, played three games. In 2021, played seven games. Uh, in 2022, he split. He, he played a whole full season. He split between two teams. So he's been a banged-up guy a little bit. He Get this. He had 272 carries, which is a lot of carries, and still averaged five and a half a carry. I mean, five and a half a carry when you've had 270. You can do that if you've had 10 carries. He averaged five and a half a carry with 272 carries. I mean, he won the rushing title by nearly 300 yards. By 300 yards. I mean, so he was. Think about that. A mile better than anybody else. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think obviously you'd have to put him up there. If San Francisco wins Sunday, I will be surprised if McCaffrey isn't the MVP of the game. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I wonder if the 49ers win, will we see teams look at Kyle Juszczyk and how they use the fullback, and will they say, well, that's why they were so successful running the football? Yeah, great call. Will, 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 the, will the fullback return if a team that uses the fullback wins? You're, good question. I don't think so because I think football is what we – I think that the – I think the 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers, is what the league's based on now. I think that's what the league is. I think it's it's there's there's a lot of twelve personnel, one running back, two tight ends. The Jags use that a lot, but I think the one running back sets are what where the league is gone. But you're right, you're right. You wonder if there's with with so many. I'll tell you this, just about every now now the tush push has changed it a little bit, but for the so so what's what's too many yards for even the Eagles who mastered it? What's too long for the tush push? Two. I'd say one and three quarter. Yeah, that's about that's about that's the limit. A, a yard and a half, a yard, a yard and a half, a little under two. Anything beyond that, you're not going to run that. So let's say it's two yard, third and two or more. I think most teams throw. I think I think third and two is a passing down. So to Lauren, to your point, if you could run ISO plays, get that fullback in there and run it, maybe maybe you would. But does it work because Kyle Uzcheck and the plan is good, or does it work because you got Christian McCaffrey? That that's the question. So. Is it because I you made a great point? I can't think of anybody that's like him. Now I also can't think of anybody like Derrick Henry either. Derrick Henry was a freak of nature. He's the other great back, but he's nearing the end of his career. 
He may that doesn't mean he doesn't have a year or two left. But the year of Derrick Henry, the the era of Derrick Henry being Derrick Henry is over. Are the who are the other great backs? Jonathan Taylor's a great. I mean, back. Kyron Williams was third in the NFL in rushing this year. To me, that's all you need to know. He's a good player, but he's not a special player. And uh, and again, he was he was third in the NFL in rushing this year. Uh, Derrick Henry in a down year was second. So it does speak to obviously his Hall of Fame ability. Uh, James Cook was fourth. DeAndre Swift was fifth. I mean, there weren't that many thousand yard rushers. DeAndre Swift is fifth with a thousand forty nine yards which is a fairly pedestrian total. I mean, in a 17-game season, that's an average of what, like 68 yards a game? I mean, it's not otherworldly by any stretch of the imagination. So I just – I don't think running backs are really – I don't think it, it's a position where unless you just are handcuffed to it, I, I don't think it's a position guys are, are really wanting to play in, in high school and college and – Wow. I, I do think you're seeing more of an emphasis on just get me out wide. Get me to receiver. How can I play? What do I need to do to be a receiver? And, uh, again, I, I don't think you're going to see. I think finally it's, it's sunk in to this generation of don't play running back. It's taken 15 years, but now I think you're legitimately seeing kids that just are not really interested in, in doing it if they feel like they have athletic aspirations of playing in college and playing in the NFL because you're just not going to, you're not going to make any money and, and your body's going to take unbelievable abuse for no, you're, you're never going to see a running back get a lucrative second contract ever again to in this a, league. To, to haste to your point about Kyron Williams being the third, third in the league and rushing. Let me get, I gave you, we gave you McCaffrey and Derrick Henry one and two. Let me give you the rest of the top 10. Kyron Williams, James Cook, Okay, we know James Cook because he played college around here. DeAndre Swift, same thing. James Conner is sixth in the league. Najee Harris is seventh. I don't even think he's the best player on his team, best running back on his team. Joe Mixon's a good player. He's eighth. David Montgomery's ninth. Raheem Mostert's tenth. And then Travis Etienne's right behind them. That's There's not a lot of those guys heading to Canton, okay? This, this isn't well, a, a pet. Now, if you go I lower, mean, again, look at the narratives of the, of the top ten. Derrick Henry uh, had a down year. Is going to leave Tennessee in free agency. He was second in the league in rushing. Right. Uh, Kyron Williams missed uh, a few games. I mean, look, had an outstanding year, but I, I don't think anybody views him as uh, a guy that's going to go to you know five straight right. Pro Bowls. James Cook is is a good player. That nothing more than that. DeAndre Swift is a, a good player. James Conner is an unbelievable story. Uh, Najee Harris had a down year, right. so a guy who's perceived as an albatross for his team finished seventh in the league in rushing because he got the ball so many times. Correct. Uh, Mixon is on the downslope of his career. Uh, Montgomery is yeah, everybody wanted Gibbs to be getting the ball more. Uh, Mostert has had a great year. I mean, certainly ran for eighteen touchdowns. Uh, and then you know, ETN I'd say was somewhat disappointing. I don't think it's all his fault, but I think you'd view it as a step back from the year he had prior. And uh, Tony Pollard was considered a disappointment in Dallas. He's going to leave in free agency. Yeah. Uh, so, and everybody thought he might have this 1,600-yard season because he was finally going to be showcased, and he was disappointing. So these are the top 12 backs in your league from a rushing standpoint, and a healthy percentage of them weren't even perceived to have good years. Right. The, uh, it's odd that some of the more talented backs aren't in that top 10. 
Bijan Robinson might be the most talented back in the league. He came in at 15th because of the team he was on. Uh, Saquon Barkley, once upon a time, was he's only 26, regarded as the best running back in the league. Brees Hall is, I think, a really good Brees player. Brees Hall's a really good player. And he came in at uh, yeah. 994. Right. Uh, yeah. But, but I mean, I, Isaiah Pacheco's a really good player. I mean, I think Kenneth Walker. So so a lot of it, but, but, but it doesn't change the point that there's no we, – we've seen the last – which, by the way, underscores just how great Christian McCaffrey is. It really does. It does, and, and certainly Derrick Henry, too, to your point. I don't think we'll – is it possible we'll never again see a running back go to Canton? Like, we won't – Fred will. But after you get that's done That's what I mean, with, like, but yeah. active players. I, I'll, active. If Derrick Henry goes, then Derrick Henry, I think, goes. Other than that – McCaffrey I'd, will I'd, go. I'd keep an eye on McCaffrey because he does so much. I, my guess but is McCaffrey right. and Henry go, but other yeah. than that, I mean, backs that are, like, 25 and under, right? right. I don't see it. Yeah, and by the way, of the uh, – I had a question for how about this? To, to show how short the, the shelf life is. Of the top, I had a question for you. Hang on. And McCaffrey still has work to do, but winning Sunday and being the MVP of the game would certainly be a big boost. Mm-hmm. I think Derrick Henry doesn't have to take another carry in this league, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Of the top 60 running backs in the league this year, one through 60, how many do you think were thirty or over? One through sixty. One through one through sixty. I'm going. I'm going sixty deep. There were how many? I were, would say were, none. Yeah, I would say zero or one. Raheem Mostert's thirty-one. Okay, yeah. but that's it. Yeah, he's literally literally the only one of the top sixty running backs in the league based on yards gained this year. Yeah, the only the only one. I mean, we don't have this conversation a lot. But, uh, you know, we talk about Trevor's deal and, you know, what are they going to do with Tyson Campbell and Walker Little? Well, Travis Etienne is in that draft class. We don't talk about – there's no way they're going to give him a second contract. I mean, there's just no – unless he takes something very – And I think I that's mean, a shame. moderate. By the way, I th- But I, there's no chance he's going to get a second deal here. And I think he's a really good player. And it's not even yeah, a knock on yeah, him. Yeah, it's mean, just I, you don't yeah. do it. Yeah, no, you'll I, just draft yeah. another one. Exactly. I, yeah, I think – that. what's Pete Prisco's – Theory, run him to death, and then draft another one. Yeah. But I, but I think Travis Etienne is a Travis Etienne. By the way, is the only guy in the top thirteen that didn't average at least four yards a carry. He averaged three point eight. He had the lowest yard per carry average of the top twelve running backs. And I don't think that's on him. Yeah. What indictment of the line that I mean, is, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it that, and the that, coordinator. That, yeah. That that I mean, you think you had twelve? Yeah. I mean, and I mean that's to that. You didn't block anybody. Somebody with that yeah. kind of yeah. electricity. Yeah. You didn't block anybody. Comes in at three point eight. Yeah, and, and, and nice going. Yeah, and, and so and the I, year before was. I want to say five? four. Yeah, High four fours. six High four fours. seven. Yeah. yeah, so um, so so anyway, but we'll see. It'll be uh, Christian McCaffrey, and, and you made a point about will he be the MVP? I'll tell you this: he'll be the most one of the most two or three most exciting players to watch in the game. If you, Absolutely. If you said, but most exciting players to watch in the game. Mahomes won. Mahomes won. Um, he might be two. He might be. He might, is he ahead of Kelsey? Is he ahead of Debo? Debo. He's ahead of Debo for me. I mean, I mean, he's and Debo's been playing hurt, but he's he's ahead of Debo as far as most exciting to watch. Yeah, he's ahead of Debo Samuel to me. He. I think you might be able to put Kelsey above McCaffrey, yeah. but that's it. It worse McCaffrey's three. Yeah, I mean, so it's a interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Sorry, Brock, you're not making that list. No. <laughs> um, why do I? The more I think about it, why do I think it's a heck of a game? I, I think the Chiefs are going to win, but boy, the more I think about it, I think 
They may not. What's the line? One and a half. Chiefs one and a half? Chiefs 49ers give one. 49ers. 49ers given one and a half. Boy, I think this is going to be a heck of a game. I, I, I know that Super Bowl doesn't live up sometimes. Don't you get the sense this is a good one? That's what I've been thinking all along. But the way the Chiefs beat the Ravens, you know, the, the way that second half was really not all that exciting. I could also see something like that. The Chiefs leaning on their defense and the 49ers don't do much in the second half because the Chiefs have figured them out and Steve Spagnuolo does what Steve Spagnuolo does and that is orchestrate a defense that confuses Brock Purdy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and by the way, that's the biggest question of this thing is how do Purdy and Shanahan and company solve Spags? Because Kansas City has won this year with defense. As, as electrifying as their offensive guys are, they have won this year with defense. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Anyway, it, it, Christian McCaffrey is, a, is an amazing and amazing player, and he and Derrick Henry might be the last of their kind. Might be. So we'll see. We'll take a break. We'll talk some college athletes. Uh, I got a lot of thoughts about this whole labor thing. Uh, that's next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. And now, this week's Scholar Athlete of the Week, brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists and the Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Union 234 on 1010XL. It is time now for our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. Kennedy Weimer, a senior at Paxson, joins us. Kennedy, congratulations. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you play basketball, volleyball, and softball. What's your favorite? Yes, ma'am. Softball is my favorite. I've been playing softball since I was like eight or nine years old, and I really love the sport. Okay, but right now it's basketball season. Yes, ma'am. And you have an important game tomorrow night? Yes, ma'am. Uh, this week is our district week, and tomorrow's we play bowls for our first round. Oh, all right. So you play point guard, you're telling us. Yes, sir. Tell us all about why basketball is special. We're going to get to softball in a minute, but why is basketball special? Why would you take to it? Um, well, basketball, because I have a lot of boy cousins growing up, and yeah. they always be around the house shooting basketball. So <laughs> I was like, you know, me as a girl, I want to play with them. And they basically taught me the basics how to play. And when I got to middle school at Landon, I tried out for the team, and I made it, and I've just been playing ever since. That's awesome. Kennedy, tell us about softball. What do you uh, what do you play in softball? I'm a center fielder in softball. Um, when I started playing travel ball, my coaches realized that I was really fast, and they was like, "We need you to cover some ground out there in the outfield." And I've been playing center field since. Do you have a favorite catch? Um, diving catches. Um, I love uh, dropping back to my right shoulder and just laying out for the ball because I love helping my pitchers and letting them know that we all doing work out there on the field. I love that. And you play volleyball also because you're not busy enough with the other sports? <laughs> um, volleyball, I really, it was like kind of an accident how I started playing volleyball. I went to a team camp with my softball team um, over the summer of my eighth grade year, and it, they taught us how to play. And they was like, you should play for your school. So I tried out in middle school, and I made it. And then in high school, my friends junior year, they were like, we need a setter, Kennedy. You got to come help us. And I tried out, and I made the team again. So I've been playing. <laughs> Well, here's what I'll tell you about that. You're two two years in a row all conference in, in basketball and softball, so you're a pretty good athlete. The coaches go find the good athletes. That's what that does. That's why they went and found you. That, <laughs> yes, that, that'd sir. be my guess. Tell me about stuff you do off the uh, off the field. Uh, you're the Golden Eagle Ambassadors. Tell me what that is. Tell me about some of the stuff um, you do away from it. So basically, uh, since Paxson is a magnet school, people from different uh, from around the, like from around the city they come and they uh, they do they. Well, Paxson offers tours for people to, you know, see how, like, okay. the school functions and everything. And what Paxson does is they have students lead the tours. And uh, Golden Eagle Ambassadors, we're uh, the students that give the tours to people that come and they want to see the school. 
Very cool. That's awesome. Have you thought about college? What are your plans? Um, my plans for college is I want to major in architecture, and my dream school is to attend the University of Florida. Awesome. And you probably already know that Florida has a really good architecture program. They do. I've looked it up. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you want to do with an architecture degree? Um, well, it's always been my dream to build and design things because, like, at a really young age, my cousin introduced me to Legos, and that's kind of how I re- – and I'll, I'm also really good in math, so um, I just kind of want to follow the footpath of, like, building and designing my own things and hopefully design my own house one day. <laughs> that is really cool. That's good for you. So so how do, tell me about the process. You apply, you wait. I mean, where are you in the process? I've applied. I apply for, um, like, early decisions. So I'm waiting. I think they don't release it until, like, mid-February. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just waiting on to hear back from them. Very yeah, it won't be long at all. Will you uh, do club sports, anything, if you get into Florida to keep your athletic career um, going? I'm definitely going to stay active, stay playing basketball, try, maybe find some friends uh, for because I know they do, like, intramural like sports like softball and basketball things like that so yeah you'll probably be one of the best <laughs> that's that's what I think uh, have you been to Gainesville do you like it down there I've been I've played many tournaments down there in Newberry like on the outskirts of Gainesville so yeah you play so you played softball a long time softball's yes. kind of your thing yes it? sir I play softball year-round for my travel team uh Tampa Mustang so yeah. we play year-round uh, really competitive so yeah that's awesome stuff. Well, Kennedy Waymer is our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week from Paxton. Great athlete and a really good student. And she's going to one day build bridges and homes <laughs> and all that stuff as an architect. Hey, thanks for coming by. Thanks Congratulations. For Thank you. Uh, Kennedy Waymer is our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. She's terrific, too. A fantastic softball player, great athlete. That's why she's wound up being very good at basketball and volleyball as well and hopes to head to the University of Florida and study architecture. And I got a hunch she's going to get in. Call me crazy. I certainly hope so. I remember my freshman year of college having friends that started in the architecture program, and it was so incredibly difficult. But it's obviously worth it, and uh, I have family that are architects now, and and it's a great career. Yeah, so congratulations uh, to Kennedy Waymer, our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. Frangie and Carline, Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders with you. All right, so this story is developing about – College athletes wanting to unionize. Dartmouth, uh, the Dartmouth men's basketball team, wanted to start a union. Uh, It has now been ruled by the National Labor Relations Board that they are indeed employees of the school, which would allow them to organize. Is this the tip of the iceberg? Because that's what many believe. I think this is the best thing for for all parties. And and normally you you wouldn't say that, but... In this unique circumstance, I, I think it makes the most sense. I think it makes the most sense for the colleges because then they're going to be able to collectively bargain contracts in and uh, cut down on the amount of uh, uncertainty that they have in terms of building their rosters. Uh, the coaches are going to be obviously all for it. And obviously it helps the players because then it just strictly becomes a professional enterprise where – college athletics, particularly college athletes participating for schools that make hundreds of millions of dollars annually in athletics uh, are, are going to be able to pay that out. So I think it makes tons of sense. Uh, I, I hope it happens. I, I think it's, it's overdue. They are employees. They're there for the athletic endeavor, not all of them. But particularly when you're talking about the Power Five League, particularly when you're talking about the SEC and Big Ten, let's just start there because that's who's running college sports now. The vast majority of those athletes are there for athletic reasons first. Um, again, not all of them, but, but many of them. And, uh, 
you know, I just think it's it's time to call it what it is. It's it is a professional model, and and that's where it's headed. It's uh, I think it's it's to the point where you can't pull back the reins of it. So now I think you you have to to dive fully into it to stabilize your sport. Because look, if if this if if this sport can if college sports in general continue down this line. I don't think you can bank on their popularity staying where it is now. And if the popularity starts to dip, well, then the TV money will dip. And when that happens, the, the pies just aren't going to be as big. So I, I think to maximize everything financially, I think, uh, I think it should be encouraged for the players to unionize. The tricky part is Dartmouth doesn't provide scholarships for their student-athletes. So that's why it was ruled by the labor board that they can then become employees. What I don't know is because student athletes currently most places get scholarships, is that why it's a difference? And so they view them still as a student athlete, and not an employee. It's a good point, but I still think the bottom line is that they work for the school. To Hayes's point, it's a good question, but to Hayes's point, listen, we know it's, this isn't, this isn't a, a debatable topic. Here's what's happened is you get hired to make money for your company. When someone gets hired in the workforce, they're hired to make their company productive and ultimately to make company. And if you're not making money for the company and the company's not profitable, it goes out of business. So for the company to, for the company to be profitable and make money, you need good employees to bring that money in. Well, college athletes have always done that. And the, and the belief has been, to your point, Lauren, the belief has been, well, they do get paid. They get their scholarships. So, okay. You're bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars to your school, and you're getting a scholarship that's worth $100,000 or whatever. Fair enough. Well, the problem is it isn't hundreds of thousands of dollars to your school anymore. It's millions and millions and tens and 20 and 30 millions of dollars. To your point about the SEC and the Big Ten, you're helping bring $80 million a year to your school, and you're still getting that $100,000 scholarship. That's the problem. The problem is now the wage doesn't affect the work. and that So – and we've always known that, and we're trying to figure out where it's going to go. I'm like you. I love it. I think they shouldn't be employees. I think they should have a voice. I think one of the things that makes professional sports work the way it does is unions are strong, and, and athletes who risk it all, I say risk it all, certainly risk health um, and, and work as hard as they do, have a voice. Some unions are stronger than others. The baseball union is too strong probably. But the bottom line is athletes should have a voice. So I think it's going to happen. Look, they're employees. I think before before long, what we haven't done yet is literally call them employees, where they get a tax form, right, right, where, where they where they get their their W nine and they get their tax form and they fill it out and they get taxes and they turn in their taxes at the end of the year. That's we don't. That's next. We just haven't done it yet, don't you think? That's the the next step is they're an employee and they're on payroll and they'll have benefits and I think I think we're going there. I'd be shocked. Why is the assistant coach, the assistant special teams coach, who doesn't have nearly as much to do with whether or not FSU wins as Jordan Travis on payroll, and Jordan Travis isn't. The person that affects you the most, I promise you, if you have a company and the most important person in that company is an intern, you know what you're going to do? You're going to hire them. Yes. You're going to hire the intern because they're the most important part. And I feel bad for the person that got fired because you had to hire the intern. But if the intern's the most important, that's what they're interns. Well, the interns are the most important person on the job, which is why before long they're going to be on payroll. Yeah, it's this is probably going to be a clumsy analogy. But 
the way I look at, at collegiate athletics right now, particularly at the, at the massive level, it's like rolling a marble on a slick table towards the edge of the table. Now, obviously, you know that marble is going to fall off the table. It hasn't happened yet, but you know it's going to happen. And all the dominoes that have fallen in the last two years, the absolute beatings the NCAA has taken legally uh, when confronted with these issues of, of the student-athlete uh, entity, they, they've gotten destroyed on. Well, that's where it's headed. All the dominoes tell you that this is headed for players becoming a union, negotiating, having a collective bargaining agreement, uh, and then the schools being able to put in some boundaries to NIL and portal that, that they deem appropriate. But the marble is going to fall off the table. There's, you can't, there's nothing that's going to stop it. And, uh, and, and so it's, is it a year from now? Is it two years from now? Is it four years from now? Uh, to me, that's the only variable, but there's no doubt in my mind that we're headed to this being uh, a union enterprise. And I, again, I, I think it, it makes the most sense. I think it would stabilize uh, collegiate athletics and keep them as extraordinary popular as they are. Uh, and, and so I, I think this absolutely happens. I think it's heading that way, too. I just wonder if it's going to take a lot longer than we think it is because of the legalities of the situation. But I'm all for pay players getting paid as what should have been happening since college football started making money. And this was a long time before they've been making millions. But, I mean, players like Fred Taylor should have been getting paid to play. Yeah, yeah. We've done everything but put them on payroll. We introduced cost of enrollment or when we last five, 10 years, probably mm -hmm. we've introduced that, which is pay above the scholarship. Uh, we've done everything. Now, now there's NIL where they can get money uh, for their marketing rights. We've done everything, but put them on payroll. Cause the schools didn't want to, uh, well, because that's money out of the schools. Well, exactly. Right. Yeah. No, nobody, right. We, and I love college sports and I love college football, but we've taken advantage of these players forever. I mean, forever and ever and ever, we've taken advantage of these players, and the schools get richer and richer and richer. So, so we'll see. If but a I, school can afford to pay a head coach eleven million dollars, they can afford to pay the players. And that's been the argument all along. Is yeah. is why I've told you this story many times, and it turned out later on it wasn't. It was a little bit fraudulent because he, he either before that time or after that time got money from a booster, Ed, whatever his name was, the Michigan booster. But I can still remember the the panel, the roundtable panel, when Chris Weber got up and said. I was at Michigan, and I didn't have money for lunch. Didn't have money for a sandwich. But wanted a sub. Didn't have money for a sub. And and I walked by our our sports store, or whatever, or the fanatic, their version of fanatics, the the Wolverine store, or whatever. And I walked in there, and I saw a Weber jersey, gold number four Michigan jersey with Weber on the back, selling for seventy five dollars. That jersey with my name on the back was selling for $75, and I didn't have no money to buy a sub for lunch. And I'm, and I'm Now, again, later turned out he might have been paying booster money or whatever, but, or maybe not, or maybe that happened afterwards. But I still, but it's poignant in my mind. Sure. I can still remember. the. Do you, remember, do, do you ever, were you watching that at the time? Yeah, or? and again, the, uh, the whole academic enterprise of it. I mean, the NCAA tournament is the best example. These, these athletes are off campus for their conference tournament week because that's almost never going to be in their hometown. Now, granted, I get it. Technology, you can Zoom in classes. Okay, fine. But still, this goes back years before we got smart digitally. 
you're, you're gone for many days for your conference tournament. If you make the NCAA tournament, you're out. You're gone again for that week. If you go to the Sweet 16, you're gone another week. If you go to the Final, I mean, if you go to the Final Four in college basketball, you literally don't go to class for a month. So you can't sell me on that. There's any kind of academic priority there, and it's and it's fine. It's just it, unionize, put it in there that if if they certainly they would get compensated to your point, Frank. And then from an academic standpoint, it's there if they want to go. They have every right to take advantage of it. But if they don't, they shouldn't have to go to class if they don't want to. If they have no interest in pursuing a degree from the school, they shouldn't have to go and show up to a astronomy class just to check a box. It just So, I mean, there's so many aspects of it that I think, uh, I think should be fixed. Well, take a break. When we come back, uh, I'm going to talk about something else that should be fixed. It has to do with Clayton Kershaw. Hey, Lauren, Clayton Kershaw. Okay. Is that okay with you? Clayton Kershaw. I also like Sammy Kershaw. You don't talk. <laughs> but this topic's more about Clayton than Sammy. Understandable. Comes up in a bit. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik. Your friends in the car business since 1941. Realize it was September when Buffett died? If you had asked me, I don't think I would have been able to tell you. You thought more recently, wouldn't you? Yeah. Didn't it feel like more recently? I would have said right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, 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 it was September. Gotta look it up. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you on a Nimnik Tuesday. Glad you're along for the ride with us. Uh, this week on Thursday, we'll be out at JU. JU basketball. Boy, the Dolphins need to get it going. Hopefully, they will. they got some home games coming up. So, we're certainly uh, rooting for them as we do the UNF Ospreys and all the local teams. And then next week, we'll be live at the Walkoff Charities uh, High School Baseball Classic and Softball Classic for the first time ever. 12 baseball teams and 12 softball teams at the brand new uh, Bregan Baseball Complex at Fort Family Regional Park. We're so excited. Lauren, you got to see it the other day in its full glory at a clinic. I did. It is, it is unbelievable. It really is beautiful. And the the kids were so happy to be out there. I'm sure that's the first time a lot of them played yeah. on turf. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of fun. 12 baseball teams, 12 softball teams. It's going to be busy, and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to be out and there. And hopefully good weather. We're going to be out there every day. And, again, I appreciate the, the radio station letting us do that five straight days, uh, as we always do. And yeah, and hopefully the weather will be good. By the way, I only check it about every four hours, <laughs> and it uh, changes about every, every time I check it. It definitely it changes, changes a lot. Yeah, All as right. of now, there's rain on Monday, but hopefully that changes, and then there's not a drop. Yeah, after that uh, rain on Monday, then nothing until maybe Saturday, if, if you look at it. But you're exactly right. Um, All right, Clayton Kershaw signed a one-year deal with the Dodgers. Hey, Do- Dodger Blue, give me two or three players that they're Dodgers to you. Who are, the Do- who are Dodgers? If I said Mr. Dodger. Koufax. Okay. Uh He'd be number one probably, along with Jackie Robinson. Or just better be. Kofax yeah, would be one, right? Jackie Robinson. Uh, what about that Oral, whole – what about Garvey, Hershiser, Say, all say. those guys? No? What's that? Garvey, Garvey say, would be up there. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, but that, that's the group. I mean, I mean, I would say Jackie Robinson because he was Jackie Robinson. Kofax mm-hmm. probably won. I would say Garvey. You know, what about Piazza maybe? Would Piazza yeah, be Piazza's a good one. Piazza's so. But Kershaw's got to be on the ballot, doesn't he? 
Is he Kershaw on the ballot for you? I think he'd have to be. Wouldn't he? Absolutely, yeah. he is. If you said greatest Dodgers ever, he's Kersh- to- he'd, he'd come in, right? Yeah. He's won 210 sure. games for him. Yeah, so I'd say Kershaw. I'd say if you said if, – Dodgers one of the most heritage uh, sports franchises of all time. Uh, you're a Dodger fan in there, RJ. Who are the, who are the Dodgers uh, – you're younger than us, I know that. But who are the Dodgers – who's Mr. Dodger to you, two or three guys that jump out? I mean – would we make the argument Valenzuela was? Yes, that's a great call. Fernando's. I wouldn't have thought of Fernando, but a hundred percent, yes. Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Clayton Kershaw for me definitely. Yeah. And good call on Fernando. Yeah. Very Did good. you mention Don Drysdale earlier? I didn't, but he okay. should be on the list. He absolutely. He was. You, you, the only thing that made Don Drysdale not remember memorable is he pitched when Kopech pitched. But Don Drysdale absolutely should be on the list. So so anyway. So, so I, I mean, Dodger Blue, so you're, and you're right, RJ. Uh, Fernando for sure is on that list. I mean, if it's non-players, Vin Scully and Lasorda are on the list. Right. You know, so, but, if it, but if you talk about just players. So Kershaw's going back. This isn't a, a Dodger topic. But it is a Kershaw finishing his career there. Is it because I'm old and sappy, but I think it's cool when a guy only plays one place? I mean, do you, do you, no, go, that's you guys care about that? or Do you feel, feel the same way? Yeah, I think that's awesome. I, I think – Players getting to only have one team on their epithet, so to speak, I think that means that they did it right and the organization did it right. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I don't, I don't, I don't fault Tom Brady for one less chapter somewhere else. Hayes or Emmett or Franco Harris or Namath or Unitas—they all had the one chapter at the end, and that's fine. But I do think it's kind of cool when when someone doesn't. I mean, Montana had it. But, you know, I like it when someone plays the one franchise. You feel that yeah, way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tony Gwynn. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable when it happens, particularly in this era. Um, so yeah, it's I think it's fantastic for for both sides to Lauren's point. So yeah, I mean, it's it's something you just don't expect anymore um, because of free agency and and things like that. And and the Dodgers are good because the Dodgers are and baseball lends itself like the Dodgers are never going to rebuild. You know, in the NFL, you're going to go through years where eventually the rebuild is coming. And, you know, that's when you look at aging players that are making a lot of money and you say, okay, well, you know, do we, do we need to move on from this player? Like if, like, if, like if there was no NFL salary cap and the Titans spent like the Dodgers do in baseball, well, Derrick Henry would probably retire at Tennessee Titan. But he's not going to because they're rebuilding and he's going to move on. I, so – one of the, I guess one of the few charms of the way baseball does it is that if you are a, a big-dollar club, you can hang on to that player. It's not going to happen for the, for the teams that, that don't spend, but for the ones that do, uh, you know, they're, they're never going to be forced to, unless they just make a litany of personnel errors, they're never going to be forced to rebuild. Our friend Dave Campos said Duke Snyder, absolutely correct, Dave. Uh, my buddy David Jean said Kirk Gibson because he certainly had the moment. He had one of the greatest moments in Dodger history for sure. There's a lot of them. So what if we had this? What if, and I'm not sure who pays it or where it goes on the salary cap if it's a league with those. I'd like to see a player rewarded for only playing on one team. If you play, if you play, if you make it. Now part of that is you got to be good enough for the team to want to keep you, you know, and. And, and the problem is, in this salary cap world, in this counting dollars world, would a team cut you too soon to avoid paying it? So maybe it's not even the team that pays it. Maybe it's the league. It's kind of a crazy thought. 
But I'd like to see a bonus at the end of someone's career if they do, if they never went to the second team. I don't know how you do it, but I'd like to see the league can pay for that. A, an extra a, a two and a half million dollar bonus at the end if you if you don't if you don't play That'd for another cool. team. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, yeah. just a way of rewarding people because we've said it a thousand times on here, a thousand times we've we've had this conversation. How do you ever how do you ever develop a fan base if a, we talk about the Rays with this all the time? If the minute a kid becomes a fan of the player, the player's gone. So there's nobody. There's there's no players. You know, we we talked with this. I'm not picking on the Rays because there's a lot of teams like this now. But if you say who are the most historic Tampa Bay Rays, there are none. You 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 could say Longoria or David Price for all, but there's really none. You know, and so wouldn't it be cool if some sort of a bonus system that if you play for one team and not and you don't go to the second team and you make you make it X years. You get paid or rewarded somehow. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Love to see it. Uh, loyalty and and again, that's that's it means so much to to the fans. It it adds so much when these guys do get inducted uh, into their respective Hall of Fames. When I uh, it's it's Mister Steeler or Mister Dodger, or, you know, somebody that has been there uh, in in the entirety of their career. So yeah, I mean, I I think it should be encouraged. Again, I I think in certainly it's going to be hard in football. It just is. I mean, whether we like it or not, there is a good chance Patrick Mahomes does not finish his career as a chief. And he's the one that would be like the most unthinkable. Yeah, of that, that seems crazy. But look, it would have been crazy to say Joe Montana is not going to retire Correct. a 49er, but he didn't. And so uh, it would have been crazy to suggest Tom Brady's not going to retire a Patriot. Joe mm-hmm. Namath. But he didn't. Joe right. Namath. Unite us. So, yeah, so yeah. I mean the NFL, the way it's structured, it's going to be really hard to to have that. Right. Uh, yeah, but certainly but I get it. again in baseball with the way it's set up, you know, as long as as long as you play for a club that has a payroll annually big enough to where they don't ever have to rebuild, yeah, I mean I I think it's 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 fantastic for the sport. I'm not putting your idea down, Frank, but Clayton Kershaw has made like $236 million in his career. That's so a really good point. The two yeah, and a half million, I'm sure he'd good take point. it, but I don't yeah. think that that's, that's going to cost that's that actually, much joy. That's actually a great point. He's made $230 million. The extra mill isn't going to keep him there. Yeah. But if there was some sort of recognition, if there was some lifetime, I just think it's cool. I really do. I think it's cool when players play for one team, the whole franchise. I, or their whole, I'll tell you this. I hope Trevor Lawrence never plays in another uniform. I I I, I hope Trevor Lawrence. People say, well, you know, oh, I still am sure about Trevor. If other people aren't, that's that, that's fine. I hope he never plays in another uniform. Don't you? Absolutely. That means that he's done well, and that means that Shad Khan has taken care of him, and that's the way that we just talked about Mahomes. Mahomes signed a ten-year contract. I hope. I don't think that's going to happen with Trevor right now, the way things have gone. But I would have loved for him to have been so good right out of the gate, and the team be so good around him that he signed a ten million or sorry, ten year deal worth four hundred and five hundred, six hundred, yeah. however much million dollars. Yeah, so we'll see. All right, we'll take. If a break. I could ask this question just real quick to yeah. you guys, and yeah, I'm yeah. sorry for talking out of turn here. You didn't know you're never um, talking out of turn. Go ahead. But since we're talking about like who's Mister jo- Dodger, in your guys' opinion, who's Mister Jaguar? Well, we've 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 uh, talked about that a lot. Probably Baselli, because he's the guy in the hall. I would say probably Baselli is Mr. Jaguar. But Trevor could become that yeah. if, if this yeah. team has yeah. ultimate success. I, I would go say, with Dwayne Grotz. <laughs> <laughs> I think the four great ones always get mentioned there, Brunel, Fred, Jimmy, and, and Tony. But I would say it's Tony Baselli. I mean, Tony Baselli is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Tony Baselli was the first one to go up on the wall. Tony Baselli is still involved with the franchise. He's still on the broadcast. He still lives in town. 
I would think you'd have, wouldn't you would you guys agree with that? I think you'd have a hard time finding another Mr. Jaguar ahead of Tony. I think Clark. we argued for the case of Fred Taylor because he could end up in the Hall of Fame, but yeah, I think that's what we settled on. Yeah, I, that's I, silly. I would, I, and I would probably say Brunel. Now, Brunel wasn't the player Fred Taylor was. Brunel's never going to the Hall of Fame like Fred is, but I'd say Brunel might be next in line for me. Uh, but mm. I would say, but I'd say RJ to your question, I'd say it's probably Tony Baselli. Uh, we'll take a break. Speaking of Jaguars, I got a thought or two about the Jaguars. Uh, special players. We've already mentioned a couple of them today on the program. I'll explain after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik. Your friends in the car business since 1941. Franzi, Carly, and Brooks Saunders with you. All right. By the way, you know what just occurred to me? No. Our scholar athlete will be playing in the walk-off softball tournament How about next that? week. Is, Paxson is one of the softball How about teams. that, Carly? See there, Brooks gets to the That's bottom awesome. of this stuff. You know, you know, she's the, she's the show investigative reporter slash chief meteorologist. <laughs> It's okay. a big role. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. And by the way, she's a really good softball player. Yeah, so, so we'll have to watch out for her in center field. I can't wait to that. We've not had softball in a tournament before. So, um, so, so, I'm, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, good point, though. On the Kennedy Waymer will be in our tournament next week at uh, Fort Family at the Bragan Baseball Complex. Which young Jaguars have you lost confidence in? And which ones you maintain the confidence in? Uh, all of them and none. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, uh, who do I remain confident in? Um, I remain confident in Trevor Lawrence. Yep. I, I think he's going to figure it out, get healthy. And I, I, I think I, I'm not sure that they'll put the right environment around him, but I think Trevor Lawrence is never going to be the problem. Uh, so I have confidence in Trevor. I have confidence in Anton Harrison. Uh, I have confidence in ETN. I have confidence in Trayvon Walker. Uh, Ditto across the board for me on all those. I, yeah. I wasn't sure where you were going on Trayvon. No, I have confidence. In I, have. I think Trayvon Walker is going to be really good. Especially if they become a 4-3 yeah. and he's a big end. Yeah. What he just Tyson? needed to figure it out. Tyson Campbell, I'm, I'm tepid on. Um, if I had to go one way or another, I'd say confident in. Okay. But I wasn't dazzled by what uh, we saw this year. Um and then, the, you know, the more established players, I'm still very confident in Evan Ingram, Josh Allen, uh, you know, guys like that. I tend to be confident. Everybody's just kind of how I am. But I would say the masses have lost a little confidence in Fortner or Devin Lloyd. Well, no one has confidence yeah. in Fortner. I know, yeah. but, I, but I'm saying in the fan base. Yeah. I'm talking about young players. I would say they have, they have ultimate confidence in ETN and I think Trevor. I'm talking about just young guys that were kind of drafted with the premium spot. Yeah, I think some fans have lost confidence in Trevor. Yeah, no, no question, no question. But I would say more have, more have it than have. Yeah, would I you? think I think the majority understand everything that led to yeah. the end of the season. Yeah, and and I hope Luke Fortner becomes a good player again. I hope Devin Lloyd becomes a good player. And, and Devin Lloyd, by the way, might be a really good player. I, I'm not, where are you on Devin Lloyd? I still think that there's a I'm, lot in there. I think he's probably just a guy. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and I don't I, think he's bad. And that's fair. That's but I bad. think he's probably just going to be sort of a, yeah. a decent player, nothing more than that. Andre Cisco. I'd say decent player, nothing more than that. Tyson Campbell, would you say? I think a little better than that. Um, but 
I I was thinking he was going to be a a great corner. Okay. Um, I've backed off of that. Travis Etienne, good player. He'll be here another year or two, and then he'll move on. Trevor Lawrence, I think Trevor Lawrence is a really good player. Okay, uh, and Trey, you said Trevor. What about you? All the guys I just ran off. Uh, Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd, I've seen have issues, not just year one. We thought that would all be solved in year two. It wasn't. He took some bad angles uh, several times in games. So I'm hopeful, but I'm not necessarily super confident. ETN, I think he's pretty good. I think the line was not obviously a help whatsoever, but he, I thought at times he missed a few a tiny holes, albeit that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I have complete confidence in. Andre Sisco. I have confidence in him. I think he was able to find the ball like what we thought when he was in college and had all those interceptions. I think he's pretty good. Tyson Campbell? I think he's pretty good. Yeah. Also, confident in him. The injuries, I think, messed him up this season. Walker Little? I'm not sure, to be very honest. We haven't seen enough of him, and I don't know where he's going to play. Anton Harrison, Walker Little? Very confident in Anton Harrison. Uh, Fairly confident. I'd say I'm more excited about Walker Little than most. I think with this young group, what you guys just kind of underscore there is kind of where the kind of where the fan base is. I think y'all kind of hit it. I think uh, I'll leave Trevor out for a second. Travis Etienne, I think people think is really good. I think Anton Harrison, really good. I think um, people believe Trayvon Walker. It's, it's the light started to come on. Um, there's hope that there's hope that Lloyd and Cisco. There's still something there. Uh, people have lost some confidence in Fortner. I would think that's kind of the the, the, the where where people are. Um, I think, and maybe I'm just, I think the two guys to me, of everybody we just mentioned, Anton Harrison looks like he's going to be a really good player. It's harder to measure an offensive line. But of all the ones we measured, we uh, that we talked about, of all of them, of Campbell, Lloyd, Trayvon, Walker Little, Harrison, I'm trying to think of all the guys that were drafted in the first two rounds. You know what I mean? I, that, that, that's where I'm trying to go with this. Is guys right. top two, top top drafted in the first couple rounds in the last three or four years. So Brenton Strange and Tank Bigsby would fit. Okay, you know they would. Right. They Brent, Brenton Strange, Tank Bigsby. What? Uh, not confident. Not confident. What you? Same. Yeah. Um. I hope I'm wrong. Okay, I'm confident in and I am confident in Tank Bigsby. Don't know what to think of Brenton Strange yet. But of all these guys that we just ran through, of all the guys I just ran through. And I, there's some I've got, like you, some questions about, some I don't. I am immensely confident in the two Clemson guys. I am immensely confident in, in, in Travis Etienne, and I'm immensely confident in Trevor Lawrence. I think both guys really were hurt last year by injuries and line play, and I'm not trying to make excuses for those two guys. I am immensely confident in what, what Trevor Lawrence is going to be. He wasn't perfect. He's got it. He's – He's making bad choices that have to get better. He, 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 he's got to take better care of the ball. That's first. You can't take as many risky throws. You can't, you can't be as, as careless with the ball from, with regard to fumbles. Travis Etienne, other than injuries and blocking, I can't find anything I don't like in his game. Can you? Other than the fact that he's been banged up and he didn't have any holes to run through, at no point have I seen anything in him I don't like. I mean – the the biggest rap on him was he goes so fast, so hard that he's got to learn to slow down and, and wait for his block and to make people miss. But I can live with that. If if playing too hard, too fast is a problem, I don't. I can't find anything in Etn. Nothing that I don't like. No, I I would agree. I think Etn is is a 
good all-around player. I just think it's interesting because now you're entering year four, so they've got to make a decision. Do you pick up the fifth-year option on a running back, uh, which I'm not sure is a lock that that's going to happen, and if it doesn't, then this quickly becomes a contract year for Travis Etienne, which it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like he's been here long enough for it to be like the possibility of a year from now he may not be on the team. Because he missed that whole first year. Yeah, yeah. but but that's where we're at with his yeah. contract. Because I, I obviously they'll pick up the fifth year on Trevor, um, and they can pick it up on both. It's not like it's it's not like the tag where you can only pick it up on one guy. Uh, so because they had two first-rounders that year, they, they could pick it up, but I don't know that you will because it's guaranteed if he's injured and – how much of a priority is is Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke going to make on a running back? Are they going to be willing to invest big dollars there? So I, it's interesting with ETN because, I mean, he, he honestly might be kind of heading towards his last year here. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. And obviously Doug Peterson wasn't here when, when Trevor or Travis, uh, Travis and Trevor were drafted. I'm getting the ETN brothers' names confused. Uh, but, yeah, I think we could be headed to the end of that, and then they're just going to draft another guy to our earlier conversation. You're you're not going to spend a lot of money on running backs. Yeah, I didn't talk about free agents, but I'm immensely confident in Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. Um, I don't know what to think of Ridley. I probably not con- – I don't think he was a bust. I'm also not confident he's going to be a star. I don't, know what, I don't know where to go there. Good player, not great. When last year this time I would have thought great. Yeah, I'm like yeah. on Ridley I'd be like – Fifty-two percent confident. Yeah, probably forty-eight percent not. Christian Kirk should have been. I should have mentioned him. I have uh, well, the utmost confidence. Well, no, no, in no. But I, but I didn't. I was asked about draft pick. I was asked about guys the Jags drafted. So you, he wouldn't have been on the. He wouldn't have been on the list. I've now added him to kind of the conversation. So, but I, but I, um, and and same with Ingram too. I've added them. When I say young players, I was talking about draft picks. So, but now, now if you add the free agent guys, and by the way, I should, I should, I should have said Josh Allen too. I left him out. I'm immensely confident in him and immensely confident he's going to be on the team for a long haul, regardless of how it happens. It might happen the way the Ingram thing did. He may get tagged for a, for a, for a while, or he may get a big deal, but I'm immensely confident that he'll be on the team and will be a really good player. So, so I guess the point is, man, I still feel excited about a lot of those young guys. I, 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 am, I think there's some holes to fill, but there's an awful lot I liked about, about, about their core, man. I, I, I think they have a good team. Maybe – does it go from – one thing Balky said in his presser, and I'm going to paraphrase here, Hayes, but one thing he said in his presser that was really true, the step from not good to competitive is a step. But the step from competitive to very good is a really hard step. And I, I mean, I'm getting the words wrong. But I that, think the, competitive the, championship yeah, some, is how he Yeah, but, but that's the point he was making. And he is so right about that. The And don't get me wrong – the step from four-win team to winning record must be a pretty hard step because it took forever. You know, I mean, it's not like yeah, it we can't overnight. discount <laughs> yeah, that right, step. Right, right. I mean, right. so, but, but I think that next step is a brutally, brutally hard step because there's so many teams that are right there. I mean, look, the Jags are pretty good at nine and eight, particularly in the AFC. Particularly in the AFC, there's so many teams that are right there. But I, boy, I, I, again, I am excited about a lot of the young players. I, that has not changed for me. You got to fix the offensive line so we can see it with the offensive guys, but that has not changed for me. I think you have to fix the offensive line, but overall, your team has to be better at passing the football. That's where the league 
has gone to, Agreed. and that's one thing you weren't good at. You played both the teams in the Super Bowl, Frank. You played the Chiefs on your home turf, and you played the 49ers on your home turf. You didn't score a touchdown against either of those teams. But I do. I hear you. But I still believe the real cause of that. Again, I, 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 I don't want to be overly critical. I'm still the play-by-play voice of the team. But I really thought the offensive line struggled. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I thought the offensive line really. I mean, um, I was Hayes beyond surprised at the struggles of that group. For I was too. I mean, we were defending them in training camp, and obviously there were lists coming out, you know, ranking them 31st. And uh, it didn't feel that way to me coming off the the playoff season. It didn't feel that. I, you know, I was encouraged with Luke Fordner. I thought he'd be better in year two. I. And I, I just think for that unit, everything was a disaster from day one. Uh, from Cam Robinson's suspension, which I think threw off, certainly threw off training camp in terms of how do you want to approach this. Uh, and then you had injuries on top of that. I, I, I just don't think they ever got settled all year long. And it showed. And, and they were miserable. They weren't coached well. I. Trent Bucky is absolutely right. The offense never had an identity, and that's going to always start with your offensive line. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think there's I think there's real concerns. To me, it's not just as simple as, well, we'll replace Fortner and Sheriff and, and everything will be fixed. I mean, I, I think Doug Peterson knows what he's doing. I do not think Press Taylor does. Uh, and I think Doug Peterson needs to take a more active role. I think part of it was the fact that Doug delegated too much to somebody who clearly is not ready for it. Yeah, I mean, again, there, there's massive questions. Was it the offensive line? Was it the play calling? Was it the injured quarterback? Other injuries throughout the team? Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, like the list goes on and on. Yeah, and by the way, you've stood your ground on the Press Taylor thing, and I think you are in the huge majority of people that watch that. That's not where I am. I. I and I'm not. I don't know Press Taylor, so I'm not trying to defend some guy I know. I just I can't. To me, I I'll say it again. I didn't see an appreciable difference in the way plays were called. What I did see is an appreciable difference in the way they blocked. And what I did see is a quarterback harassed. I mean, I don't think Travis Etienne suddenly had fewer than four yards. And again, maybe I'm wrong, by the way, because again, I th- I think I'm in, in the minority in this opinion. I think what happened with Press Taylor, he got on that Trent Balky whipping boy list, and it was going to be hard for him to ever get off. The way it was announced, the way people uh, heard that it was happening, and I and I and so for me now now, but again, look, I think I'm in the minority in that list. So so maybe I'm dead ass wrong. What I do think we all agree, where we're all in the same page, you got to block, you got to protect the the quarterback's got to have some clean pockets at some point, and the running back's got to have some running lanes at some point. But everyone would feel better, you included, even though you didn't think Preston did a bad job, if you thought Doug Peterson was going to be more involved than he was last year no Lauren I would be uh, what I would feel better about again I trust I trust I think again I'll say it again I think he's a really good head coach he's really he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles I don't think he would turn it over if it wasn't the right thing to do that's just my opinion I may be dead wrong but I I, that's what I don't the guy I'm really confident in is the head coach and he and I and I don't and I don't think he's turning it over because he's because Press is his buddy and he wants to do something nice for Press. I don't believe that. There's too much at stake. Shad Khan has too many millions in this thing. Now, if he's getting it wrong, he's getting it wrong, but he's not getting it wrong because he's trying to take care of his boy. I, I don't believe that. I, 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 I just don't believe it, and I believe there's part of him that thinks 
I'm a better head coach if I don't have to call plays. I think there's I think there's a lot of head coaches that feel that way. Yeah, I just I the way that that I approach it is they went backwards by a point and a half a game. That can't just be chalked up to the center and right guard had a bad. I hear game. you. I hear you. Um, and, and again, I don't fair even I don't even point. think I'm it's necessarily like I'm not saying it's all play calling. I think it's just it's how you practice. It's it's how it it's it's everything that he was he was handed the keys to is is coordinator, and and that's what I think is a concern. And but, but didn't wasn't that the same the year before? I, I I'm pretty sure. Everybody agrees the only thing that changed is who called the plays on game day. I don't think the rest of it. He was the coordinator the year before. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, he was he's been the coordinator since Doug got here. He just wasn't the game day play caller. And Doug told us, if we take him at his word, which I do, that Press called a lot of the plays in the second half of games year one. So, so again, again, we can debate play calling forever. The uh, we'll, we'll we'll find out closer to it. What I don't think's debatable. Is they got to block people? I don't think that part's debatable. It's not debatable. Yeah, I, I think I don't think I don't I don't know anybody that, that doesn't think that they got to start blocking. You, your quarterback can't get hurt four times. My you, my my fear is we're going to be in like week seven next year, and the offense is still going to be stuck in neutral. Well, that's with the, a brand new center and a brand new right guard, yeah. and we're going to be sitting there going, "Well, well, what is the problem now?" Well, if that's the case, then they failed. Regardless of whether Doug calls the plays, Press calls the plays, or they bring in somebody else to call the plays, if we're midway through the next season and the offense is still stuck, in, well, then they failed. They will tell you that. There, there's, no, there's no debating that part of it. If, you're, if that's the case, let me ask you this. If you saw an announcement tomorrow that Doug said, you know what, we're going back to the first year, I'm calling all the plays. From now on, I call every play. Would you still have that fear? No. Okay. So, so that's so, so that's so that's your because I believe he can do it. Yeah. That that's your fear. And again, I I don't know that you're alone. I think I'm in the minority there. I just I just I'm trying to be as honest as I can, even though I I, I don't again I'm not there. I don't, we don't have headsets on. We don't you know what I mean? we don't know what's changing about the play call the whole bit. What I wonder is how did we miss on the offensive line so badly? Obviously they did, but as far as watching training camp practices every day and watching that offensive line. How did we not figure out heading into the season that it was going to be a problem? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always hard. You're yeah. you're so blinded because again, they're going up against each other. I mean, the defensive front didn't end up being really all that good. When I mean, the Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker on the edge were good, but the interior guys weren't, you know, fantastic. And you know, so I I think oh. it's by the way, you you know, who's a really good football coach. I'm serious about this. It's Jim Bob Cooter. He's a really good football coach. Yeah, right. I mean he. And he was on this staff a year ago and and was not on it this year and did a heck of a job with a backup quarterback this year. You want you, anytime there's a transition in staff, you wonder if that's a factor. You gotta think it's a factor. You have to wonder, right? I mean, and he's a good football coach and because Doug told me numerous times how good a football coach he was. Doug told we Well, had and he had had success. Right. That's the thing. Like Press Taylor doesn't have any success to fall back on and be like, Well, you can kind of see where Doug gets his confidence from because of X and Y and Z. Jim Bob Cooter had a nice run in Detroit. I mean, he's done things away from Doug Peterson that were impressive. Right. And and that's where I – so, yes, to your point, that absolutely could have been a factor. Yeah, I'll say this as we break on this one because Lauren's got a fun topic when we come back. But I'll say this quickly. I would tell you that, the, in my opinion, the people in that building that I – people in that building or the people – 
around the team. They may not work in the building, but people that really know the team that I think real and there's a big there's a big group there. It's not one or two. Would tell you they're not nearly as concerned about the play calling as maybe some others are, but they're more concerned that they would ever admit publicly about the blocking. That's what I would tell you. And who, who knows if all of us are right, wrong, or whoever, or, or whatever, but I think that would be their concern. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, Peter King's got a column out there. Lauren's going to uh, tell you some specifics about that. Uh, stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Welcome back to a Nimnik Tuesday here on The Frangie Show. Frank Kays, RJ, I'm Lauren Brooks. All right, so Peter King in his Football Morning in America did his all-time 53. Now, there's a couple caveats in this. He was only putting players who he has covered since 1984 until now, as long as he covered the majority of their time. Okay. So I've got four quarterbacks for you that Peter King selected. Tell me if you agree or disagree. Again, pretty much mid-80s to now. Okay. His four quarterbacks. I'll bet I I can tell you they are, but go ahead. Oh, okay. No, you you tell me. I'll see if I got them right or not. Okay. Uh, you're going to get them all right. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I would have said Marino, not Mahomes. But I think, okay. he, got, I think he got it right. And I, had, I would have guessed he would have said Marino. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a good four. I, yeah. Breeze would have been one that I would have considered, but hard to, to yeah. move him in over any of those four. I think Mahomes has done enough yeah, me too. to earn being the fourth. I would have yeah. thought he would have Marino. I would, I would have thought he was going to go Brady, Manning, Montana, Marino would have been my guess. Every where time he, where I, he would have gone. I read a Mahomes stat, it's like yeah. you'd think I've already read them all, right? Yeah. Because he's been in our consciousness for so long now. But and at the forefront of that, but he's the youngest quarterback ever to play in a so- fourth Super Bowl. Like it shouldn't surprise me that that's the case, but It's a great stat. It is the case. All right, here are his running backs. He has three running backs. And of course, these guys are way better than the ones Hang pretty on. much now playing. Okay. Go ahead. I, I, no, no, no. I'm, you tell me too. I'll tell you if I get the right three. Okay. Barry Sanders, Ladanian Tomlinson, Derek Henry. No, wouldn't have guessed. I would have been his wrong. His four and five, but they didn't make his roster. Terrell Davis and Adrian Peterson. So Emmett Smith didn't make his five. Emmett Smith did. Emmett Smith did not. Did make his five. Yeah, and and I've seen this. So he he kind of makes note of the fact that Emmett's not included, and he, and he says, you know, obviously people are gonna you know right. disagree with this, but okay. um. But yeah, I mean, it's the the three, uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I can I can understand why Ladanian Tomlinson was unbelievable. So I uh, I have no argument there. And, and Barry Sanders, was, and Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders is, Sanders, are, yeah. is the, the most yeah, entertaining no wrong, back. There's I've no ever wrong seen. answers here. But yeah. Okay. I'd have had him in on. I would have had more than three running yeah, backs. Right. Is I think yeah. probably where right. I would have gone with. That. I mean, even on a regular fifty-three, right. you, you have, have four. Yeah, four. Uh, as far as Offensive tackle, he has Anthony Munoz, Jonathan Ogden, and Joe Thomas. He has three of those as well. Munoz. So no Baselli. No Baselli. Yeah, that surprised me a little bit too. I'm biased, but it surprised me a little bit too. The, uh, the three are good, but the fact that Baselli's not on there surprises me. He does have a fullback, Maurice Carthon. Probably most people wouldn't have I mean, a fullback anymore. Just, uh, he must, Maurice Rand. Carthon must have been a great source for him. <laughs> right, right. In the 1980s. I mean, Maurice Carthon, who's Rand Carthon's dad, yeah. uh, was a, just a good Blocking fullback for the Giants. He has three guards, Russ Grimm, Larry Allen, Jari Evans, one center, Jason Kelsey, two tight ends. I think you can guess those. Jason Kelsey's a center. Jason Kelsey is a center. And he said, okay. apologies, Tom Nalen. Yeah. So so I guess Dermonte Dawson 
the Dwight Stevenson, I guess, were before. Okay, okay. I don't. I'm trying that the, the the years run together. Go sure. Ahead. Uh, tight end Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey. I don't think most people right. would argue with that. Uh, wide receivers. He has four: Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Heinz Ward, and Tyree Kill. Did he get those right? Heinz Ward can't. I mean, no, I, 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 Heinz Ward's a right. great, great <laughs> Listen, player. Listen, I was, I but was, give me a break. I was Steeler fan during right. all those. Yeah, Zion you'd be the best years. to speak to it for sure. No, and I, no, no, no. That's if you had the thing. Which one of these don't? And I love Heinz Ward as a player, but if right. you had, which one of these don't fit? Yeah, which one of these doesn't <laughs> you belong? Know, no, no, that's not. That's, he got that wrong. Yeah, I think so too. All right, when it comes to defense, we've he's got three ends: Bruce Smith, Reggie White, Michael Strahan. Uh, the first two are pretty good. He got, he must have covered the Giants because he looks like he's got the entire <laughs> he did. Giants. That's roster. how he got famous. Yeah, yeah right? okay. That's, that's that how was, he started. Because yeah. again, because he, he also had Mark I mean, Bavaro as his third tight end. Yeah. yeah, okay. Give yeah. me the end, give me the ends again. Bruce Smith, Reggie White, Michael Strahan. I mean, Strahan again, played a really long time. But that's the one that doesn't fit in the conversation. Strahan was a good player. He wasn't. Yeah, there. I would agree. Strahan Strahan seems right. uh, okay. Keep seems going. high for me. Keep going. Defensive tackle John Randall. Uh, Aaron Donald, Cortez Kennedy. That's three pretty good ones. I can live with those. His hybrid. No Taven Bryan on that list. <laughs> well, if he went four deep, <laughs> yeah. why didn't why not go right. four? His hybrid is JJ Watt. He said hybrid because JJ Watt yeah. played all over the place. JJ Watt belongs on a list. He has one edge rusher, Von Miller, and then he has two outside linebackers. Would you care to guess who they are? You want me to tell you? So it's not, and they're not edge guys. The outside linebackers are. More traditional yeah. guys. Like, yeah, more traditional. Would have played before the term edge was Right, who but you'll get them if you were to guess. Uh, Lawrence Taylor and Derek Brooks. Okay, well, Lawrence Taylor's an edge. I, I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't know how. But they didn't call him that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, okay Lawrence I think it's where he right. was. He has three inside slash middle linebackers, Junior Seau, Ray Lewis, Teddy Bruschi. Pretty good, three pretty good ones. I don't I know can't. that I'd have Bruschi. Bruschi, pretty good player, though. I mean, yeah, you're right. He doesn't belong with the other two. There's, every now and then a third one doesn't belong with the other two. But that's but that's. The first two for sure. He has three corners, Deion Sanders, Daryl Green, and Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, huh? Okay. That's, that one surprised me. The other, I would probably have an A.S. Williams as my third, but go ahead. Three safeties, and we'll finish with this because the special teams, no yeah. offense to them, but nobody cares. Ed Reed, Troy Palomalo, and Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew over Adrian Wilson. Adrian Wilson would have been my third on that. And E.S. Williams would have been my third corner. Um, yeah, so I – I agree. I agree with almost everything you went with, Lauren. Mm-hmm. I agree with all of his except the last one. You know, I, I thought he, I thought he got defensive end right except for the last one. Wide receiver right except for the last one. Cornerback right except for the last. Richard Sherman was Richard Sherman better than Aeneas Williams? Well, and and Revis you yeah, have yeah. as well. I mean, it's and again uh, to his credit, in fairness to him, he said this is his list. Absolutely, right. he said this is my this is my list. My and I get that. And I'm that? sure he was influenced by. Players he actually talked to. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a part of it. But yeah, yeah I he's, it said he spent two full days on it, so it took yeah. him and quite and some again, time. You're, you're entitled to your list. Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, and guys that you follow and so right, Fun stuff, though. No, no but question. no Jaguars, unfortunately. That was. Yeah, I'm a little kick surprised Baselli, because he really likes Baselli. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I mean I'm, I've been in press boxes, and when he would, he had spent a lot. There's one press box, uh, I think we played the Jets. Might have been the Jets. That he was there covering it, and uh, and Tony and Jeff and Peter King probably spent a lot of time in the in the in the pre pregame meal room catching up on everything. He really likes Baselli. I mean, I mean Peter and so, but the three offensive linemen were Munoz, Ogden, 
uh, who are those again? And Joe Thomas. And Joe Thomas. So, so I mean, guys really like good Orlando Pace, right. Walter Jones yeah. didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I a mean, really good list. I mean, yeah. I tell you what, there've been some great offensive tackles. Some Absolutely. Great offensive. All right, very good. All right, all right. Lauren's got the hour off. She's got Hamilton Hills coming up in a bit. Uh, Denny Thompson joined us, the quarterback whisperer, with one hour to go. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Now, the quarterback whisperer, Denny Thompson. Okay, bring it in. Brought to you by Tyson Sound and Security. Register Sausage. And George Moore Chevrolet. One, two, three. One hour to go on the program. Frank Franzi Hayes, Carlion, R.J. Saunders with you. Lauren Brooks has the hour off to get set for helmets and heels. Our buddy Denny Thompson jumps in here to talk quarterbacks and more. All right, buddy. I'm great. Looking forward to a ride in Lamborghini. That's all the news Look today. Look at so. you. What about that? Uh, so Carson Never ridden back. a Lamborghini before. Carson, same. That's pretty awesome. Same. Yeah. yeah, I made it 65 years without, so, yeah. so there's that. Um, how'd that deal happen? Tell me about the deal. What, what happened? How does it work? He wanted, the, he wanted a new car. Um and so he ran numbers, and that's that one seems to appreciate. So he wasn't looking for an '84 Pinto. No, he no, he's actually looking to make a solid financial decision. I know it doesn't seem like that when somebody spends that right. much money on a car, but just if you're interested, go to cars.com and look and see how much those things are going for used. Right. Um, and so it, it ended up being a good decision. He loves the car. What the him. car cost? A lot. And on Twitter, it's it, they were throwing out like 300 grand, like roughly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're Did not disputing on Twitter? that. Yeah, okay, that's what it said okay. on. And, and, you, on and you're not at liberty yeah. to say so. Is I think that Carson off? tweeted out off? the figure. I want to say it was Carson yeah. to tweet. Oh, out really? The figure. Yeah. I, I yeah. thought. I yeah. no, it's not way off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I. Uh, a little high. No. But, it's not but, way off. But, but joking aside, I, and also like, how many of those do they make? They in don't. A year? That's the that's, thing. That's what I was going to say. It was actually a very like meticulated decision or meticulous decision by him. I it's. He's operating at a high level right now. Absolutely. And, and you and, and you just made a point. He says, see what they go for used. So they got us thinking. It's just an investment, really. That's right. right. That's all it is. Go yeah. drive it for a year and sell it and make a bunch of money on if, it. Right? If you or I just go buy a, a, even our dream car, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's going to be nice, yeah. but we're going to lose money on it. He's going to he can drive this for a year or two, and if he wants to, he can he can flip this thing. You know, he went through Denny. I don't want to say a tough time because it's not it's not like there's something terrible about being the backup quarterback. But he certainly went through a period where he had to be mega patient. Yeah. And and even when even when Stetson Bennett finally was gone, and you kind of told us this on air, that that Kirby didn't make it easier on him. He yep. had they had a bunch of five stars there. You know, one of those five stars is is now at Kentucky. The other one, I guess, is 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 a backup still. But it wasn't easy. So I mean, this was patience, this was hard work. And he's kind of enjoying the fruits of it now, and he's kind of earned that, hadn't he? He really is. He and he's in the right mind space and keeping me in the right mind space on this of like, I just want to be present. I've worked hard for this. I don't want to think about even the season. I don't want to yeah. think about the draft. I, w- I want to embrace kind of this grind period that we're in right now. And that's, we're kind of heading into that right now is, is we're going to get after it for a few months because the world is ahead for him. To your point, he was patient. He handled things the right way. He hit bumps in the road, but what college kid don't, yeah. but he recovered from those. And, and now he's, he's got a chance to live out his dream. What will be the things that, that he focuses on offseason and, and the 15 spring practices? Uh, we have, I don't know about the practices. I mean, I, we're, we've got kind of a checklist of things that we just want to get a little bit more efficient at. He's mechanically pretty good. He's, he's always been – he's got a baseball background. And so he's always been very easy to train. Um, 
So mechanically, it's not a whole lot. It's it's maybe opening up a little bit of vision. He's really going to play fakes, uh, things like that. So just kind of leaning into why are you so good at the things you're at, good at, and how do we bring everything else up to that level is is kind of the stage we're in now. You know, it'd be pretty good. And again, maybe now everybody takes classes online and doesn't go or whatever. So I may be old school guy, but indulge me. You know, it'd be pretty good. I've been on that Georgia campus many times. Pretty good campus. Walking around the Georgia campus. As the Georgia quarterback, yeah, that'd be pretty good. You yeah, know, it, it, I mean, yeah. I've been, I've spent, I've been on that campus, Carlisle. Okay, oh yeah, it's a good campus. I'm just telling you, yeah, yeah, it's, it's talented. It's a good campus. Yeah, and I yeah. would just, say, I would just say, uh, walking around the Georgia campus as the Georgia quarterback, a very good, successful, about to be rich Georgia quarterback would be really good. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> it's not a bad gig if you can get it. Now, you know, I will say this: there was, it wasn't that long ago, a year ago. Uh, we we could go grab dinner in Athens and yeah. be just fine. You can't do that now. Yeah, and that that's the reality of this thing. Like, it, I mean, we went out during the season one night just grab a late dinner. Yeah, random Thursday night, and it it took him thirty minutes to get to the elevator. Well, after, which he's great with, he that's, loves. Yeah, yeah, that's like he's enjoying cool. that. But you have to plan for it, and yeah. he's moved away from Athens a little bit now, and so. What are his expectations for the season? Uh, I national championship at Alabama game. That Alabama game hurt him. The team goal is the first. The, yeah, he came back to win a national championship. Like that's the reason he came back, and and he understands that there's other benefits to come back. But that was the driving force. Is is he wants his? He doesn't feel like those national championships that he got there are his, and he wants one that he participated in. That's fantastic, and and I think he's going to be absolutely the the favorite to do it. I can't imagine that Georgia isn't number one on pretty much everybody's list. When Everything we start. I've seen, all the yeah. preseason, yeah, all, the, I mean, all the way too early, yeah. everyone. And, and the thing, too, that's, that's good about it is with the 12-team playoff, I mean, Georgia's going to have a mulligan. I mean, mm-hmm. Georgia can have a bad day at the office, losing, and they're still obviously going to be well inside the 12. They probably have to lose three games to not make the 12, and that's not going to happen. So I mean he's he's going to be right in prime position. It's in front of him. Yeah, hey, hey, it's in front. Because if him. there was a twelve team this year, newsflash, Georgia would be the three time defending right. national champion. Right. Sorry, Michigan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I I for one have come around to this. I I was one of the guys that didn't like the twelve team playoff initially, but man, I'm excited about college football next year. Yeah. It just it. I know we're losing some tradition, but there's a newness to it now that just feels a little bit more like the NFL. And I know some people don't like that, but I do. I do too, Danny. I, and I'm as traditional about college football as anybody, but I love it. Um, catch us up on draft prep. Who you have? How's it going? Who, who's here now? Well, you know, it's going well. Um, Austin had a great showing okay. at the Shrine Bowl. That's Austin Reed. Austin Reed did, did Augustine fantastic. Western Kentucky quarterback. Yep, and, and uh, Emory Jones is, is still here working hard. And, okay. and Davis Brin from Georgia Southern is still here working hard, okay. I think. We're expecting, you know, Jordan Travis. And he, I haven't been out there in like a week. Yeah, uh, it's been Will and Tom, and and they that's their arena, and I just am there when I'm needed. I'm a resource. You know, Jordan Travis point. is coming. You think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Where is he? Do you, do you know? You haven't seen him. So you may not. No, know Tom would have to answer that. I know. You know, obviously, there's the medical stuff, and yeah. and and uh, you know, obviously, everybody knows what I think about Jordan. I think he's. We've talked about this exhaustively, even when he wasn't with us. Like, yeah. I think he is just a fantastic football player and a great prospect. We so. all think that. I think yeah. that, that's a consensus in this room. Um, and I know you don't know this. You will when, you, when you're around him. But what do you expect the process to be like for Jordan? I mean, everyone's got to see that he's healthy. 
Does he throw as much as others, less than others, more because he's been away from it? Um, you know, I don't – I. I really am not trying to dodge. I don't know, no, I know. That, how much he's actually thrown. I, I really know very little about his situation. Um, I think he's repped by the same guy that Anthony is repped by. Okay. Anthony Rich. So we obviously have a great relationship with them. Yeah. And I've known Jordan, and I've got a great relationship with, with Florida State. And so I'm excited to have him. But I really don't know where he's at. That's not my yeah. area and all this. as Tom and AJ. Boy, boy um, he seems like a great One day I need kid. to bring them on here. They yeah, could answer yeah. a lot more of your questions. Yeah, you're right. But he seems like a great kid. Oh, he, I don't yeah. know Jordan Travis, but I'll bet you he is a freaking great kid. V- very respectful. Yeah. Very, like, ultimate um, gentleman, like, yeah. when you're around him. And he just, seems that way. Yeah. He just, just watching on TV, the sidelines. Again, I, I don't know at all. But no, I mean, he's a fun guy. I mean, yeah. I, I think – all these guys, I think there's a you know remember the old movies about the quarterbacks being you know these party guys. The prima donna. Yeah, it, it's just these guys now are in such a position of leadership, and in some ways they're 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 serving their their team so much that I don't think they see themselves any way other than just a normal college player, and it's a full time job. They don't have time to go chase sorority girls yeah. anymore. Like this thing is this changed. is a business. That's well, a shame. We're gonna take a break when we come back. <laughs> When we come back, uh, Danny's got a quarterback in the Super Bowl. First one, first quarterback you've had in the Super Bowl. Yeah, all right. He's yeah, got yeah. a quarterback in the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm gonna break. I'm gonna ask you to break it down. Brock Purdy. I want to talk more about him. What do you think the game plan should be for both for Patrick Mahomes too? How will they? How will they attack it differently? What will it mean for Brock if they win? All that in a bit. This all is right. 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. I love this song. <laughs> it's a good anthem for you. Oh. It is. It is. It is. I, when I walk in the house, Angie plays it. <laughs> the quarterback whisper brought in with careless whisper mm-hmm. because, of course, um, of course, it's my goal this year, though, to embrace all of this. I feel like I'm doing better, y'all. Like I feel like I'm all doing right. better. I'm you embracing are. all, all right. of it. All right. Well, you survived my feeble mind going through every possible whisper joke I could. I, this year, I don't have any, any left. I, I've used them all up. Um, Brock Purdy's in the Super Bowl. You made a good point. You had you had Gardner in the Super Bowl. Right. He was a backup. But this is pretty cool for you. I know you're close to him. I know how much you've worked with uh, Brock Purdy, and now he's gonna he's about to play in the Super Bowl. I want to get into specific details of I say how you think they're going to play it the whole bit, but first, how cool is it? It is so cool. It, it's the uh, I wish I'd been around our place a little bit more the la- the first couple of days of this week because there's an energy with yeah. like Tom and Will and all those guys that's just poured so much into this and it's just, even just pulling for the kid because you just enjoy the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we've all been rocking Forty ers gear and it's just it's it's fun. It's a fun week and you just. I don't know. I hope the best. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get nervous game time just because we can't control it. But only because he's such a good dude that yeah. it's like I hate. I take it personal when I hear people talk about good people. Yeah, you know what? You you were in here. You were in, and I I told you this. I you you made the point in our show two three weeks ago. When are people going to stop thinking he's game manager guy and he's they're only good because of all the weapons? You were right. In the next game, he was. It's the best game I ever saw him have. Because he mm-hmm. ran through, made made all yeah. kind of great plays. So, so what is the, what's the game plan? I mean, is it if you're if, what is it, the Forty Nine ers game plan is going to be what it always is? But I don't pretend to have watched them probably as much as I know you have. 
What's the game plan? Well, I would think, and I haven't, I obviously haven't talked to Brock this week. I mean, he's a little tied up, yeah, he's right? Busy. I have no idea what their game plan is. I never know what their game plan is. But here's my thought on it. I, I think that that Baltimore game plan should serve um, as a reminder to the 49ers that you just can't do that. You, you, Mahomes can beat you a number of different ways, and you don't change what you do because you're assuming that Mahomes is going to put up 35. Like, you have to play your game. Because that, I'm convinced that's what happened to Baltimore. As Baltimore looks up, and at the end of the game, they're probably kicking themselves, going, they only scored 17. We could have kept running the ball. But you, Mahomes is so good, I think he just gets in your head that, oh, we got to score every time we have the ball. The reality is you don't. Stick to what you do, especially for San Francisco. Spread them out. Keep your tempo. Um, and, and, and just make good decisions. Try to just stay in the game. And then if you have to adjust the fourth quarter, you do. But I, I don't think San Francisco, I think there's enough tape now I think they're going to stick to what they've done all year, which is run the football, create play action opportunities, create space, and Brock just be accurate with the football, and I think he will be. What What have you learned about Kyle Shanahan and the process of of knowing you know Brock and and going through this with him? I, I think the same thing most people have. I, I haven't had any interaction with directly with Kyle, but I will will say that the evaluation that he had on Brock early, you know, obviously it wasn't that great because they didn't pick him before the last pick, right? But he always loved Brock, and he always believed in Brock. And so, to me, that says something when you evaluate differently than everybody else, and then you strike on that. Like, you, you make that, that, that happen. And then I think just from there, he's a great quarterback developer because he makes sure that everybody's on the same page. They understand why they're running this play. We understand what we're trying to get with this. And you've got a guy that makes plays. So, if you need an extra second and a half, Brock can get you an extra second and a half, and he's not scared of any throw on the field. Other side of the ball, the Chiefs have won with electrifying offense until this year. Yep, They're really good defensively. They're winning 17-10 games, not 37-34 games. Uh, what do you expect from Mahomes? This, more of the same, obviously. I mean, I know that. But, I mean, will they open it up more than they have? I, I don't think they will. I, I think what we saw last week is, is the beauty of Patrick Mahomes is you can have him defeated and he can figure out a way to beat you. Like yeah. you, you can technically be more talented in your 11 than they are in theirs, and you can call the right defense, but his arm talent is so good that he knows where to put the ball. And then he and Kelsey, this thing they have going on, I was saying yesterday on XL Primetime, when you look at the conversions they have and the way they're able to do it, that basically takes away four to six minutes of time of possession for you. And I'm not sure there's another duo in the NFL that does this. But you've got them stopped. It's third and eight. And four times a game, those two find some way to hook up to whatever coverage that you have, and that's worth an extra four minutes. Let me ask you this. I, I, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this about quarterbacks. I probably have. Um, in 1984, when Kerwin Bell – Florida had this great team, but all the quarterbacks started getting hurt. Just before you, probably, you probably didn't even live here by that. No, or, I didn't. I was okay. yeah. Arkansas boy then. But, Denny, they had all these scholarship quarterbacks, and they yep. had this great team, but – and the quarterbacks all get getting hurt. You know the story. And Kerwin Bell was fifth fifth mm-hmm. string, and he was just walk this skinny 170 pound walk on from Mayo, and he quarterbacked him and had the great year, and he's SEC Player of the Year. But I remember asking Charlie Pellin and Galen Hall about him, and he said they because he's skinny, and he was tall, he was six three, and he was a good pad. You remember those? You remember that when he played when he played for the first time? But he said he really. You hear this? This is a cliche because everyone says it, but it really was true with him. He was a guy that was always going to beat you in ping pong. He was the guy that was always going to beat you in bowling. He was the guy that you wanted him on your pickup basketball team. For whatever reason, if you had him, your team won. 
Nobody really always understood why. You, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he wasn't necessarily the best shooter, but if he was on your team in the pickup game in the gym, your team won and, and held the court, and, and then, then the next team came. What is it about those guys? Because you you know exactly what I'm talking can we, about. Can we stay on Kerwin specifically? Yeah, yeah. Because I think this is a great example you're given. I think a lot of times, especially us, we can know people and not see what's yeah. right in front. That was with me with Kerwin. I got to spend a morning when he was at JU okay. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Just watching him run practice and then hopping on a board with him. This guy ain't normal. This guy is a football genius. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he he sees the game differently than everybody else. And I'm saying that because that on t- ever all these guys are competitive. Yeah. Like you don't get to that point without being competitive. But I do think there's the the guys that are like Kobe where you're ultra competitive, but you also work harder than everybody else, and you're smarter right, than everybody, right, you put it all together. I think that's what we're seeing with Brock. I think that, and that's kind of what Kerwin, Kerwin just needed the opportunity, and then when he got that opportunity, he knew the game differently than everybody else. Yeah. And there was a, a confidence in his, his, his intelligence. So maybe that's it. It's, it's, you know you have so much confidence because you have so much intellect and understanding and instincts and it makes you better. Maybe it makes everybody around you better because they know you have that too. Mm-hmm. Right? And, the and people it, almost think you're lucky. Yeah, I think it happens in every job. There's yeah. somebody that excels so high that you're like, man, that person is so – you don't understand – That's a great point. Like the wavelength that they're yeah. oper- operating on. That's a great point. There's people in the workplace, well, they always get the great jobs, and they always, you know, it always goes well for them. It's not an accident. No. It's not. It's interesting. Yeah, no doubt about it. I wanted to ask you about weight training with quarterbacks. Obviously, there was the, the moment of levity this week. Mahomes has shown – you know, without his shirt on after the uh, went over Baltimore, and he kind of caught you know some lighthearted joking about it. He he kind of right. made fun of himself. Brock is not obviously a a, a imposing physical player, uh, and we've seen it with guys like Will Levis. You know, maybe too muscular. What's the right balance for a quarterback in terms of weight training versus not getting uh, I guess too rigid? Um, I I'm going to use Tom as an example on this because we. With Anthony, we went through this was, you know, weight. Like, okay, so some people would say 250 pounds is just way too big for a quarterback, right? But the reality is, as you're testing Anthony Richardson, he performs identically at 250 that he does at 235. So you you want to be at 250. You need that extra weight, right? And so these guys, now Anthony genetically is just gifted, and he can be a model, right? Like, I mean, he's just yoked. Maybe these guys aren't genetically gifted, but their body is very functional. And everything that they're doing is not based around how they look at the beach. It is based around what my body can withstand and how much weight can I carry to be safe but still be at my athletic peak. And I think that's the chase for all of these guys. And maybe they, it, that changes from year to year as you get older, but, but, but all these guys test for that during the year. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm 227 pounds. What do my numbers look like compared to what they were at 222? And if they're still the same, then, okay, I can carry 227. And then, of course, there's the, like, what makes you feel the best? Like, where do you feel the most agile? Where do you feel the most confident? And then for quarterbacks, it's like baseball. Rotational training is king. Like, we, we've got to pattern movements. We've got to do things like that. And, and it's way more involved than I am, um, which is why we hand that stuff off to, to the people who are great at it. But it, it does make a difference. And most quarterbacks, I would say, if you're concerned about your abs showing, you're probably doing it wrong. Interesting stuff. Final thing before we let you go. You brought up Anthony Richardson. Update us on him. How's his health? And let me ask you, Denny, how much, how much does it affect him negatively or positively that he missed time again? Again, he's a guy. Mm-hmm. The 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 negative thing about Anthony Richardson, he's this great kid and this great talent and works hard, but for stuff that's not his fault, he hadn't been on the field. Yeah. 
Uh, where yeah. is he? No, I think it definitely has impacted him. I mean, he, he it's that hurts, right? Like, I, I, yeah, you still get paid. nothing. people go, I mean, he's making all this money and he's not playing. Y'all, it, it, the, there's a certain point that the money don't matter anymore. Yeah. Like, you're, you've trained your whole life I get it. to do this. And so I think for him, it's the old saying of something was taken away and he realizes, like, man, I love this. I absolutely love this. And he's been here already, just working out and getting ready. And, and, um, and, and so I, I – I think for him, long term, if we can figure out this stay healthy thing this year, probably was it was about as good of a thing for him as could happen. Danny Thompson, the quarterback coach. Good luck to Brock Purdy. Yes, sir. Let's Thanks, go, Brock. Buddy. Go Niners. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. One seven to go. Back after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Well done, RJ. Thinking like me. You were always a perfect one and a valedictorian. So under your number, I wrote calm for a good time. Toby Keith, uh, one of the great uh, country music artists in my lifetime. One of my favorites, if not my favorite, country music artist. Lost his life to cancer. It was reported overnight on his official uh, Twitter feed and X feed, and now it's uh, many have weighed in. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not, Hayes, but I mean everybody in that industry. Yeah, has weighed in on uh, on the loss of uh, the great Kobe. It was really cool to see the Players Championship uh, tweet out their support yeah. and a picture of him yeah. from military appreciation from many years ago. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was my favorite one. It was my it was my favorite one. Uh, Kobe Keith, and I thought and this song you're hearing is a uh, one of his anthems, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's really sad. I mean, this. So I woke up. I do this all the time. I, I maybe it's an age thing. I never used to. I used to sleep through the night. Now I I, I go to bed at. I'm I'm asleep at ten thirty. You know, mm-hmm. it's ten thirty, ten forty five. Suzanne and I will watch something on TV, and then we both start fading around ten thirty, whatever. And um, and I uh, and I wake up at three or four in the morning and go to the bathroom and go back to bed. And I do what you're never supposed to do. I grab my phone. They say, don't do that. Go back to bed. But I'm an idiot. And I'm a well-known idiot. And so I, so I grabbed my phone, and, and I saw that. And I said, man, that really kind of rattled me. So I went back to bed. And then I woke up at 730 and saw all the stuff about him. That one hit me hard. Buffett hit me really hard. I've told you that. Buff, the Buffett doll hit me really hard. I was a bigger Toby Keith fan than I was a Jimmy Buffett fan. But it's just something about not having Jimmy Buffett anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? At least this one we kind of prepared for. Because you knew he had been ill. Now, and I thought he was kind of turning the corner and getting back to good health. I don't know if he had completely beaten the cancer. He lost all that weight. But I, but I, this one kind of when, – when I saw it, it didn't shock me. The Buffett shocked us, you know, because we, ne- we didn't know. They kept uh, – his. he also had a bout with cancer, but they kept it so quiet. Uh, but with Toby Keith, uh, not as much. So, um, so but anyway, Toby Keith uh, gone, uh, one of the great uh, country music uh, uh, artists, like I said. You don't like country at all. I, I'm not a big country guy, but there's a few artists that I really like. I really mm-hmm. like Garth Brooks. I really like Zach Brown. And I really like Toby Keith. So, so sorry to see Toby Keith gone. Uh, gone, obviously, uh, in his early 60s, as a matter of fact. So, um, And again, when I first saw it, um, the John Daly is the one who tweeted it out because they were, they were obviously very good buddies. And I can see I can see how they would be good buddies. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they have buddy written all mm-hmm. over them, don't they? So, so you certainly see it. Hey, one note we didn't get to. Did you see where the mayor of Las Vegas – told the A's to stay in Oakland. Did you see this story? No. So apparently the, the mayor of Las Vegas, a woman who's been in office since 11, said 
they they had a spot for the A's where they were going to build a stadium in the Tropicana area, whatever that is. Well, the A's said, no, they want to be on the Strip, which, of course, you do. You know, in fairness to them, the Thomas and Mack Center is on the Strip. The new football stadium is at the Strip. You want to be on the Strip. Well, apparently that perturbed the mayor. So the mayor came out yesterday and said, listen, the A's have history in Oakland. Rather than come here, they should just rework a deal with Oakland and stay where you are. Who does that? The, the mayor of Vegas came out and said that. The hey, hey, stay where you are. Isn't wow. That, isn't that wild? That's totally wild. Yeah, because the A's did not want to go to wherever the Tropicana region is. In, well, that's where Mo Green is. Okay. And uh, no, I'm teasing. That's a <laughs> godfather thing. <laughs> but I, uh, but so for whatever reason, the um, the the A's, I mean, the mayor came out and said, nah, "I keep your team. Say go back, go back and cut a deal." Which, by the way, if Oakland found Oakland should build a stadium for the A's because they should be the Oakland A's. Yeah, you know the. I mean, they but should. it just seems like the state of California doesn't invest in no, any of that anymore. No, they don't. I mean, they really they're just, don't. They're just. I yeah. mean, it's really, frankly, it's amazing. The 49ers got their stadium built. Yeah, there, there are some great stadiums there. The, the, there's three great stadiums there. The 49ers, Santa Clara is great. Obviously, the one where the Rams and the Chargers now play is great, and Petco Park where the Padres play is great. But that's it. Everything else is old. I mean, Dodger Stadium's wonderful. But it's old where the, the the big A where the Anaheims plays, where the Anaheim Angels play is really old. You're right about that. They don't they don't invest. Yeah. And so that's that's but I've never I've never heard of a mayor saying, No, nah, we don't want this. Yeah, I mean, say where you are. I mean, I, if you if you could pull it off, I guess the Vegas mayor could. Yeah. With all the stuff that Vegas right. offers. Right, right. But still you just would think <laughs> with all the momentum right. and how they've just captured sports yeah, right. over right. this last decade. Why would you not want the A's? Yeah, and, and again, I as a baseball fan, I think the A's should be in Oakland. But by the way, it's not like they started in Oakland. It's their third city. Yeah, the Oakland, the A's started in Philadelphia, moved from Philadelphia to Kansas City, and moved from Kansas City to Oakland. So they've been all over. Right. You know. So this is their fourth city, by the way. So so they've been all over. That'll be fascinating um, to see where it goes from from here. From yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, what kind of a Super Bowl you expect? A good one? I think I mean, it'll I've be a really. Away. It's it's Tuesday now. So yeah. I'm, it's Tuesday of Super Bowl week. It seems forever because we have the off with the the open week in between, but I'm now kind of getting you know apart from the event and parties and whatnot, I'm kind of getting excited about the game. I think. Oh, I think the game's going to be spectacular. It's not the teams that I wanted to see in it, but I think from a competitive standpoint, there's so many great matchups in it, and so I, I, I think it's going to be one for the history books from a from a drama standpoint. I I, I will be shocked if this is. You know, a ten-point game with two minutes to play, and and the team with the ten-point lead has the ball, or or something even more lopsided. I mean, I I think this is a uh, Mahomes has a drive late to win it, or maybe Brock Purdy's in that uh, situation where he's got forty-seven seconds and needs a field goal to send it to OT, and he's got to go sixty-eight yards. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's going to be a prime situational football game yeah. uh in a lot of in a lot of gamesmanship on both sidelines when you get to under that two minute warning in terms of timeouts and and things like that I I think it's I think these coaches are going to have to be really sharp because I think the, this game is going to be about as even as it'll be and it, it could easily be the coach that you know flubs a situation from a time standpoint that comes back to bite them and it's two heavyweights these are heavyweights oh, yeah. you know if if an underdog team gets in, that's great that the underdog team got in. But these are heavyweights, man. Well, the these, Chiefs are the new – I mean, they're the new monster. They're a right. dynasty. They're not going to be the least bit rattled. 
But it's cool that San Francisco has at least experienced the Super Bowl recently. Right. So it's not like they're newbies and, uh, you know, it's – I think you, you eliminate that variable from the game of will there be some element of they've never made it here before, they're just happy to be here, it's too much of a party, not enough of a business trip for them, are they, are they going to be able to play at their best? You're not going to have any of that on right. either side. I mean, obviously, you're not going to have it on the Chiefs' side. They're, they're used to playing in this uh, multiple times. But even for San Francisco, most of that roster played in the Super Bowl. So uh, it, it's, it's a fascinating matchup. And, you know, you've got, obviously, uh, the best quarterback going against, you know, a, a kid that's knocking on the door. If Brock Purdy yeah. throws for 275 and three touchdowns with no turnovers and San Fran wins – Welcome to the party. I mean, you're I you're totally an elite quarterback that. in the league. Yeah, you know, I, I look. He's not. I mean, don't think for a minute because he's not six five and two forty like like Josh Allen or has a howitzer attached to his arm like Patrick Mahomes. To Denny's point, don't think for a minute this guy isn't special. Drew Brees didn't have either of that either. He did okay. You know, don't, don't think for a minute this isn't a taller Drew Brees because it right. could be. I mean, it really could. And be. And his brain is special. Yeah, no question. You know, we just. We don't measure that at the combine, but uh, but I mean he's got a, a special acumen for playing football. Yeah, no question. All right, um, you get uh, just say hello to me. Now the two minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com/careers. Equal opportunity employer. Play golf today. No, I, today off? no, I got a 60-minute boot camp in this morning. What is a boot camp? What do wow. you do in your boot camp? I want to know what you do. Um, so I, need every, I need every detail. Peloton, um, so it's broken up. So I did a 60-minute one. So that's 10 minutes on the treadmill of different intervals. So whether that's um, slowly, you know, you do a listening game, and as she says, like, add it. You add speed or you add hill. Um, or you do, like, a hill run. Then you do a speed and sprint run. So you do that for 10 minutes. Then you do 10 minutes on the floor. Um, different, you know, increments again. So like four by three set, an AMRAP, as many reps as you can in a certain amount of time, EMOM, every minute on the minute, you do X amount of reps. And so you do 10 minutes on the tread, 10 minutes on the floor, 10 minutes tread, 10 floor, 10. And where are you out? More than yeah, more than, more than I thought. And I more think than that, four hours of golf with me? Yeah. Did it, did it? So four plus hours of golf yesterday and then that this morning and then all the wonderful food that everyone brought for yes. our Super Bowl cook-off. Yes. And uh, and it was funny, like, at the end of the show, like, I stood up and I felt my body just, like, in pain. <laughs> and I tried to be good this weekend. Well, I don't I biked 18 miles on Saturday, but Sunday I took off yeah. from everything because the weather was so crappy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to golf, and then I know I'll get back into my running routine this week. And so I was like, let me rest. And, uh, no, I stood up, and I'm like, oh, I am 31. I feel it. <laughs> this is unfortunate. Who are you like in the Super Bowl? I've learned to not bet against Patrick Mahomes at this That's point. Right. Until he loses. I we mean, all kind of feel that way, don't we? Yeah. It, they have deficiencies. Like, make no mistake about it. Like, I was listening to um, the uh, draft stock exchange from PFF with our buddy Trevor Sikama, and, you know, he, he said, he's like, would I be surprised if the Chiefs go wide receiver, wide receiver, first and second round in the draft this April? No, because, number one, they don't have many other deficiencies, and number two, because it was such a deficiency this That's year. Right. Um, right. So, I mean, you know, and how many more years does Travis Kelsey really have? It's a, right. it's a legitimate question. So, like, do I see a world in which Kyle Shanahan and company exploit those limited deficiencies? Yeah, absolutely. Um, or just, you know, they get an early lead, they get a turnover or two, they run Christian McCaffrey. Like, yeah, I could see a world like that, and I'd love to have a different winner, but 
Until they, until they lose. Until they lose. You can't pick against them. It's coming so. up tonight. What do you got? Oh, we got a whole bunch of stuff. So, uh, no Miranda yet from the players. She's going to join us next Wednesday. Okay. Then we'll have – or next Tuesday. I don't even know what day it is. Next Tuesday. Then we'll have her with us um, every Tuesday moving forward to the players. Um, but in place of that, you know, uh, I said my own bias aside. I'm sure you guys have seen the numbers, too, um, from a record-setting women's basketball weekend. Okay. Did you see with Caitlin Clark what they did? No. So, it was the second highest rated women's basketball game this season, Iowa versus Maryland. It was Fox, 8 p.m. Friday night. It's the highest rated Fox women's basketball game of all time. In addition to that, on Fox's TikTok account, they had a camera that was just on Caitlin. Oh, wow. And it only followed her, and it showed her highlights during halftime. And they had 800,000 people watching this stream oh, yeah. at one point. And so, uh, you know, like, listen, like, yes, do we talk about basketball because I'm an AP voter? Yes. Do we talk about Iowa women's basketball? Because, number one, I used to cover them, and they're awesome. I'm friends with some people still there. Yes. But, like, what we are seeing, I don't think we've ever seen in women's college sports. Not basketball, women's college sports. So we'll get into that and a whole lot more. Sounds good. All right. Thank Mia you. and Taylor and Lauren, they have uh, Helmets and Heels that comes up right now. That'll do it for our program. And don't go anywhere. The ladies are next. We'll be here tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. For Hayes, for Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Frazier. So long.